Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Sitting down on a Saturday morning, this podcast will be released tomorrow morning. Uh, My guest will be here in a little bit. and uh, Just came back from a very sacred event in my world. One of the guys I'm working with has just completed his fourth step and was ready to do his fifth. And uh, as it so happens, I was talking to another sponsee of mine who is down the path a little ways, who is now working and giving this thing away to uh, others. Uh, Just inspired me to watch that happen and and that ripple effect. And uh, I was talking to him and telling him about going to do a fifth step uh, last night, you know, Friday night. And he said, man, I've got one scheduled with my guy, too. And I thought, that is super cool. I said, where are you doing it at? And he said, well, we ain't figured it out yet. And I said, why don't you come down and do it with us? And we'll split up. And, and so how that works in my, and where, where that play, how that played out was that my guy, uh, well, they all met at my house here at about 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon. Um, we drove down separately, me with my guy, him with his guy, get that time to do some small talk and, 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 uh, be together as we approach this uh, fifth step event and um, get down there and go out and uh, start up the generators and air conditioners in both cabins and I build a fire. I feed my guy during a, prior to his fifth step and uh, brought the four big steaks down there and some asparagus and mushrooms and sauteed all that stuff up and grilled those steaks out over an open fire. And we sat down to picnic table outside. The weather was just great. It was pleasant for a July evening. Uh, it's always, from in town to down there, it's always 5 to 8. Heck, sometimes 10 degrees cooler down there in the woods than it is here in town with all this asphalt and shingles and all this heat-absorbing material we have in town. And uh, then those guys took off and went over to the chalet, which is the hunting cabin that uh, I grew up hunting in. Uh, my dad and some of his buddies built that, uh, or I don't know when it was, 1970, someplace in that neighborhood. And a few years ago, we tore it down and refurbished it, and not tore it down, but stripped it down and refurbished it, and put it all back together. And it's a really nice little quaint spot, that little A-frame in the deep in the forest. A little stream runs by it. And, uh, and me and my guy stayed at the big cabin, at the log cabin we built back in 99. Uh, blessed beyond my understanding to have that place and and to do these uh, retreats and fist steps down there. Uh, it's a sacred spot, and and like I say, you know why it's a sacred spot? Cause I, we say it is, because I say it is. It's just a cool thing to watch a guy get free and to dump out his bucket, and we look at the character defects and what the patterns are of, of how what's been defeating this soul in his journey um, and it can be a little contentious at times uh, you know we want to fight that a little bit and, and not accept some of these things about us and as a sponsor of my role is to help you uh, see that and, 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 and know that it's not a um, it's something we can move past until I see this stuff and able to identify it I can't stop repeating these patterns in my life and in my, I go to bed and uh, after the fifth step, and my guy uh, stays up and, and does his st- step six and seven. And 
where we become willing to allow higher power to take these things away from us and we actually do some prayer work and ask the higher power ask your higher power your personal higher power to take this stuff away and uh wake up with a guy who is uh has a different energy zone than the guy I went to bed or the guy I sat with the night before. It's a very cool thing. I'm just honored that I get to do it. It's just cup filling. Uh, humbled that I get to do that. So here in a little bit, uh, my guest will come in and uh, you'll uh, get to meet a guy that uh, I don't know really well. Um, know him a little bit and i'm just drawn i don't know the other evening i saw some facebook posts and some things that are on there and uh got that little familiar tap on his shoulder and sent him a message and he said yes so he's coming in and uh we'll, we'll i'll have a new friend and you guys will get to know another guy and, and hear another man's story and recovery through these 12 steps and what's going on in his life so uh we'll be right back peace out Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. I'm back. We're sitting out here at the studios at DTM Enterprises, uh, my little wood shop in my backyard, and uh, guest is here, and day's warming up, but the air conditioner's keeping up so far. Uh, a little sweat never hurt anybody anyway. Um, my guest today, uh, I don't know him too well, but I was drawn, uh, over time. I, I kind of were Facebook friends and I, and I, and I'm tickled and, and entertained by, by the content. And, uh, and, and we say something, I think it's in the 12 and 12. It says, you know, uh, I think it's rule 64. I think it is. It says 60, what? Two. 62. That says, uh, don't take yourselves too damn seriously. And, uh, and I'm a fan of that concept big time because uh, I know that uh, I can get a lot of trouble with that. And, and I see that attitude in, in my guest, Matt, today. And, and, and the other night I was sitting there reading some stuff and I saw a couple posts. And, and then I saw some people get their panties in a wad over some stuff. And, and I, and I giggle at that, too. I'm like, golly, man, he's just going to jump on whatever, man. Uh, and, uh, boy, I'm also going to have to go over and look. I see my air compressor kicks on in the middle of the podcast once in a while. I blow all the dust off everything before I start, and it just dawned on me I didn't turn it off. But that tickled me the other night, and I was uh, reading that, and I thought, I don't know, I get led sometimes. I just get, like, tapped on the shoulder and says, hey, man, and to be honest with you, it's it's as vulnerable as I'll get out to ask somebody to come on the show. I'm scared to do it. I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid you'll say no. And, and I type up my little thing, and I pop it out there, and I go... You know, and, uh, and then, uh, when it, when the little message comes back, you know, I, I overthink it about what it's going to say. And, uh, and, and, you know, nine times out of 10 people agree to come on the show, man. And I'm just blessed with that. So thank you for coming in, man. How are you doing today? Pretty good, man. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, I, I appreciate you asking me. This is a pretty cool deal. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but it's, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Some people, you know, it's kind of a new thing. Uh, you've written speaker tapes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like, uh, there's times where I'll talk to somebody, especially younger people. And talk to them about listening to speaker tapes on AA, on on the net, you know, and they will uh, kind of reject that, you know. But I'll ask them, "You ever listen to a podcast?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, man, I listen to podcasts all the time," you know. And I think uh, those speaker tapes sometimes, at some level, were like the root of this podcast world. At some level, you know, it's the way carry that message in a way. And we were those old timers were handing around cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And people playing them in their cars. I'm gonna turn that air compressor off. And make sure it's off real quick. 
Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know exactly what a podcast. I still don't know what a podcast is, to be honest with you. But uh, I kind of got an idea. But when you say tape, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, so I'm yeah. old school too. You know? Yeah, so. yeah. This is a. Uh, you know, it's it's the new medium for everything, and I could. Uh, I had a friend not when I first started to do this. She joked with me. She said, "Yeah, the, uh, somebody told me the uh, podcast is uh, today's lower back tattoo." And I was like, "Hey, that ain't fair. Hold on a minute." But uh, so there's a lot of people out disseminating. You can get a lot of really good information. You can pretty much learn anything you want to learn out there and listen to stuff. And I and I I feed my brain today. With, with with stuff that, that feeds my soul and I can pick that up on these podcasts and, and listen to the way people are uh, uh, doing things and operating on this trip, on this go around in life uh, to help improve their quality of life and therefore improve the quality of the lives around us. You know, that ripple effect that happens when I, when I got well, uh, people around me got well too. You know, I was no longer hurting my kids. Uh, my parents were a lot more happier. Uh, you know, there's all this was going on, and not to mention the the impact we can have by carrying this message in our community to the other people who haven't found this solution yet. True. And so, uh, what's your do? You, what's your sobriety date? Uh, let's see, uh, be nine, twelve, seventeen, September twelfth of uh, two thousand seventeen. All right, so you'll be three years this in just a couple yeah. couple months. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, I'm the first one, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. One, yeah, yeah. Seems to be something we have to do. Uh, I don't, I don't I quite understand it. The hard way. Yeah, but I definitely learn them. That's for sure. I kind of want to be judgmental when I see somebody else doing that. There's a thing in me that wants to grab them up, kind of by you know, hypothetically by their collar and shake some sense into them. But uh, you know, I had to do the same thing. I had to find all the ways this thing didn't work before I finally say, okay, oh, I'll do it your way. Yep. That's exactly, that's my story to a T, really, to be honest with you. Yeah. Where'd you grow up at? Uh, I grew up in Alton, Illinois, um, which is, uh, I always throw this out there, it's a nice little fun fact. It's home of the uh, tallest man ever, uh, Robert Wadlow. Oh, yeah. Um, From the so, Guinness uh, Book of World Records. Yeah, eight yeah. foot nine inches tall. Um, so that's the, uh, you know, the, the thing about uh, Alton, Illinois, for me anyway. But, um, but yeah, it's about 20 minutes from St. Louis, but... Um, that was uh, where I grew. I moved. I moved when I was fourteen, though, to uh, Columbus, Indiana, uh, which is where I went to high school and, and what I kind of home to me. I got uh, kids there, and it's really what I call home. So, do not disturb my telephone. Uh, when did? How long did you live there? All the way up. To- I moved away to Kentucky for the first time when I was twenty-five. So fourteen, twenty-five. Yeah. So yeah. you pretty much spent your yeah spent your adult life you know, yeah that. uh just right up the road i'm a uh, fairly familiar with columbus not you know as a new omni kid i uh tromped around all over like a radius that probably reached about that high mm-hmm. in southern indiana and and, right. and and over to each side of it uh for a reason i didn't travel to kentucky a lot when, even though it was right across the river or something about doing that but i would jump up into indiana and i just love to go uh Explore and of course there's a lot of that, especially once you get your driver's license. And you know, drinking and driving became a hobby. You know, let's get some, get some beer and go for a ride. You know, uh, so what was your family life like? You got brothers, sisters? I was only child. My, uh, I was an, 
in a motorcycle. We were in a motorcycle accident. Me and my mother, were, before I was born, she was pregnant with me. Uh, she was about six months pregnant with me, and uh, it uh, left her. It was her and my, my uncle. She went on a, a motorcycle ride with my uncle, jumped on the bike. Uh, he just bought it or something, and um, they got, got in an accident. She flew way up in the air, you know, and, and came down on her head and then uh, gave her gave her brain damage that, wow. that has left her um, to where, you know, it's just um, she can't function as an as a real, you know, as an adult. I mean, she you can talk to her and stuff like that, but it's just that um, it's hard to explain. But yeah. it, it made our relationship suffer uh, greatly. And she was already one of us. Uh, before that and and then after that and that took its toll on our relationship as well so um, that relationship has been strained and still is you know yeah. did she raise you no I was raised because of that uh, sorry because of that accident I was raised by my grandmother so, oh, your grandma. which was a good childhood with her yeah. I mean it was you know it was fine I liked you know I had most of what I uh, wanted and everything I needed and um, it was good good little childhood really yeah yeah you know uh my grandparents were a different generation, you know. They really were, uh, I don't know, maybe it's because I saw her after she had already raised children and, and all that. But she had obvious, an obvious maturity that uh, that I can't really, you know, I had good parents and great parents. But, uh, but I can say for certain I didn't have that as I was raising my children. I felt completely lost. And so having that extra layer of wisdom raising you, uh, uh I can see where there's an advantage here, but then flip side of that is it don't stop. You know, the interesting thing is this: this disease gets no matter who you are. You know, there's no formula. Uh, we don't escape that because we got great parents. We don't. We don't. We don't really become that because maybe we don't have such great parents. Uh, it, it is it, this disease will get you. It's no respecter of anything, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. My, um, as far as uh, relating to, to that, I can see that now that you, you mentioned that. That's a lot of wisdom uh, passed down and passed to me from her. Uh, but also, I didn't have a, mo- a mom and dad, so there was, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of that or whatever going on. But it didn't matter, matter to me. I I liked my childhood and didn't see anything wrong with it. And never knew my father and didn't see anything wrong with that either. It was just like that was the way it was. And, and it didn't really bother me too yeah. much. So Yeah, so, you know, it uh, sounds like that your grandmother filled some voids that, compensated adequately for where you might have been perceived as missing something someplace else but she probably her uh sounds like her uh, uh being instincts maybe yeah just her being her existence was uh was, was overcame a lot of that that's pretty cool yeah. to think about yeah. so when you start drinking using what you know i don't even know i don't even know you know where you're what you're uh yeah, um, I was, uh, we always so, kind of get on this drug of choice thing, but uh, I don't. Yeah, um, yeah, and I was, you know, uh, you were talking about the jumping in the car and drinking and driving. My thing started uh, with uh, smoking, um, and you know, leading up to that, um, like I was saying, my my uh, mom is one of us, and you know, her deal was kind of anything. I think you know, she dabbled in all kinds of stuff, but but um, growing up, it was always like. Um, the stigma was because of my mother and what she had, you know, was into and stuff like that. And my attitude towards those things like marijuana and, and drugs in general were, but it's bad and I wasn't going to do that. And that was the attitude, you know, and then of course you, you grow up into being, you know, teenager and then like 13, 14, which is where the, the start 
happened, which was, you know, at 13, somewhere around 13, I started hanging with the, the kids, um, a certain group of kids, which weren't bad or good. It was just the ones I was hanging out playing sports with and stuff. The ones that I liked to play sports. I used to uh, uh, do uh, taekwondo with one of them, and he was kind of the main one I started hanging with and branched off to his friends. And then so we all started hanging out, and then there was one guy that was older, and he smoked, and he was like, all right, everybody want to try it and this and that. And it was kind of a, a date leading up to it, like we're going to do it on this day or oh, what right. have you. Planned. And it was like planned out. And I was like – and in my mind, I'm like, you know, I was like going back and forth with it kind of really, you know, because of that whole attitude, uh, the whole, my whole childhood. But, but I had ultimately, after going back and forth with it, had made the decision to do it. And, and, uh, so, you know, when the time came, it happened, I did it. It was like, okay, this is cool. And I remember it wasn't so great or anything like that, but it was just kind of like the attitude changed to where, quickly like really quickly after doing it that this is what i was going to do now this is what we're doing kind of and and that's what i did and was after that it was just a sought out to do kind of thing and and, and it was pretty much you know almost every day you know i, I being 14 i had to hide you know hide around and you know sneak around a little bit but uh you know it was kind of almost an everyday thing after that you know and uh so my path is almost parallel. I, I relate to that big time. And it was the same age group. And, and yeah. you know, and, and I really, you know, in some sense it was planned, but in another sense it just kind of happened. And then, but, but you know, it grabbed me. And like I said, it's like, yeah, this is something I'm doing. I'm, I'm in. Right. Yeah. Now, all somewhere around there, I don't even remember the word. And it's crazy how that flipped on me, but it flipped later in life. But the uh, alcohol was in that same age uh, at 14. We mean a couple of... Uh, friends um had pl- planned out sought out uh, a person that was old enough to buy the liquor we got got the liquor and uh, drank it at my house at my grandma's place uh, we had there's upstairs downstairs and we always hang out hung out upstairs so we could separate ourselves mm-hmm. and uh, we drank there me and two other two of those friends and um i remember something that, that stood out on that occasion was being the first time that i pretty much first occasion that i drank or got drunk was um i was babysitting them they were throwing up and carrying on, and I drank a bunch of it. It was a bottle of vodka. We got a bottle of vodka, um, drank a lot of it, and I know I, I my portion of it was a, a great deal comparative to, right? But So I drank a lot of vodka, but I'm babysitting them and hanging pretty tough looking back on it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Not like I was, you know, planning or trying to hang tough or anything. It was just happened because I had to babysit them. They were, you know really drunk and, and throwing up and I'm and of course I'm I'm, I'm having to kind of like play cool because my you know grandma's downstairs right. hey dude come on right 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 <laughs> we gotta be cool here so but because of that maybe my I don't know but but I drank a lot and and, and uh and the tolerance was high is what my point is basically so and I didn't know I didn't even realize that it was crazy I didn't realize that until I was telling my story uh, one time and I thought back on it, I was like, oh, yeah, man, I was pretty, you know, I drank a lot, and I didn't get really that drunk at that, that first time. But anyway, whether, you know, what's what importance it is or not. Who right, knows, yeah. but. but it's interesting, no doubt, you know, because mine the other way around. You know, I was the guy puking and sick, and somebody was taking care of me, and they were putting me in the shower trying to, yeah. you know, and, and it was in that home, you know, and they, yeah. they, they cleaned up the house and uh, and tucked me in bed and skedaddled. Before my parents got home, you know. <laughs> so did you get away with it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got away too. with that first one. Now, along the way, though, with the smell and everything else, I got popped many times uh, on the other on the other thing that we, I was doing. So, 
So anyway, it was known that what I was doing to my grandmother anyway. So yeah, she could pick up on it. Yeah, well, you know, it's easy to smell. So yeah, she knew what was going on, red eyes and all that. But yeah, uh, I was a. Uh... You know, I, I question that whether if I was how much I got away with and how much I was allowed to get away with. I wonder about uh, yeah. if I if some of that was overlooked, or if I really was as slick as I'd like to think I was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sometimes you're just like, well, what if whatever, you know what I mean? And we don't even know. We just thought we got away. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I never thought about that. I probably did think I was slick and was, you know, they just didn't want to didn't want to go through the argument. Yeah. Yeah, didn't want to deal with it today. So how did it progress for you? Was like high school and well, so um, I I uh, was at fourteen. I was a year behind, so um, fourteen to fifteen. And there, my freshman year, it was still in Illinois. And um, my uh, my aunt and uncle, uh, which I have to mention, um, were, were really are really good people and. Uh, my because of my situation with my mother and um, you know ha- not having the father in and my mom being not all there and and in that situation um, my aunt like my whole life like would come and do things with me take me to go do stuff with her all the time like uh, just t- try to make me I guess trying to make me feel like uh, somebody loved her loved him me or whatever or just spending time or doing the right thing or whatever mm-hmm. she was doing but but she was doing it from her heart I know that and and uh so because of that um I got to build a, a relationship with her that was really strong and um you know she is um you know anyway I, I love her a lot and she um uh, her she ended up getting married and he you know would do the same thing we go they'd come get me we go canoeing and anyway they're they're an important part of my life today pretty much my own only family really so um anyway they moved to indiana where he his parents are from and um so uh the plan was uh i was going to move there and then my grandmother was going to move sell the house and move up later so that's how i get uh, transferred to uh to indiana columbus and um so um, and she's a she's really she's a, a teacher and a strict uh, person uh, as far as you know raising kids and stuff. So uh, being a teacher, you know, and and she, her line of work was with uh, kids that are uh, um, troubled kids. So she's extra has to be extra tough. So uh, so I had that going on when I moved there, and of course I'm moving there. When I moved there, I'm looking my first thing, first thoughts, and first uh, motives are find the person that's got the the, the stuff I want, right? Right, yeah. So I had to find that first. I had to go, you know, do the right, you know, go to school, get meet people on the... You Survey know, the, the right, landscape. Yeah, try to find what I want. And so that was a process. And then finally found that, that what I wanted. And then I had to skirt around her and, and, and her trying to do the right thing and, make, and and try to help me build my life, you know what I mean? Doing, trying to do the, the uh, parental thing. And I'm trying to buck that and just do what I want to do. And uh, so... Anyway, with that going on, I had to I had adversity because I didn't like school, didn't mess with you know grades sucked, and, and so she would have me she, because she knew people in the school. She was a teacher right across from my high school at the the middle school, and so she knew everybody. She had me go get, and I had to go get uh, weekly progress reports. My grades were slipping, and I had to had to toe the line, you know, to do what I wanted to do. I didn't get to go out on the weekends. I didn't go get to do what I wanted to do if I had my grades weren't right. So so I had to. You know, told line, but um, you know, looking back on it, she was trying to do 
you know, the right thing yeah, and to help, help me. Yeah. And you know, I'm to... not worried about that at all. Right. I, I'm seeing yeah. it as, you It know, is. That's love. What a blessing. Yeah. 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 You know, I learned, uh, you know, one of the things that I come to learn after like trying to ignore some grades and didn't want to do it and be lazy was that if I got decent grades, a lot of people left me alone. Like mom and dad, you know, they was like, I could get away with more if I could just did my schoolwork. Mm-hmm. They would give me some slack. Uh, so I started doing that. I, and it was part of that. It was, uh, it wasn't because I wanted to learn. It wasn't because it was because that gave me some cushion, uh, and some insulation to, to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, I wish I could have, you know, put, just put a little bit more effort into it, just enough to, to get that cushion. I wasn't even willing to do that. It was just like, let me do what I want to do. And then the, I'll take the consequences and, ha- and and make up for it later type yeah. of thing. You know what I mean? I think that's what was my mindset on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is kind of hindsight. I didn't know that. It, you know, I, I certainly didn't know I was doing that at the time. I'm looking back and, and see that I was doing things to pull the nose up enough that people would leave me alone and let me do what I want to do. That was my motive. Right. Uh, we get to we get to kind of notice our motives today. And, yeah. You know, yeah. See those patterns. Uh, pleasing people to get where I need to be. Yeah. Did you graduate high school up here? Um, no, no. Uh, <laughs> my conduct uh, didn't see. I uh, there was one class. You know, I was like I said, trying to skate by. There was one class um, in my senior year in Indiana is like a requirement. It's a government class, and it's uh, that was the name of the class. But it was like first period, so I slept through the whole dang thing and never got, never did nothing. And so I flunked it, and, um, and they put me in summer school. And I caught my first charge uh, right before I was supposed to graduate, which pro- led to probation, which led to me not being able to quit doing what I was doing and then going to jail for six months uh, as a violation of probation right uh, after um I was supposed to graduate, which I didn't, you know what I mean? So I went to jail for six months, and so I had to get my GED while I was in jail. Wow. So, yeah. Would there was get... a little bit of the powerlessness right there. I couldn't even couldn't even quit. for. I knew the test was coming. I knew it was on probation. I knew, look, you got to go on this date. They're going to try to, you know, your first one, they're definitely going to give you a little test. You know what I'm saying? Couldn't do it. I, I told myself, I, I went, oh, funny little story. I took, I, I, I was uh, on the side uh, making a little bit of a living uh, on the thing that I like to do as well. So what was that? What was it? Oh, weed, okay. marijuana. marijuana yeah, we can say we can talk okay. here, man. Freely. Yeah, I smoked weed. That's what this I did. This is a recovery podcast. Right. Not and a... So um, yeah, there's no. I got gotcha. you. Um, so yeah, I sold, sold it, and uh, so I made a little bit of money, and I had I had a you know what a enough of it to whatever I wanted to do, and so I took a whole ounce and, and went to my buddy's house on the a month before my test. I took an ounce and I said, oh, there are a bunch of people always hanging out there. I took it over there, dumped it on the table, said, let's smoke it. I'm quitting tomorrow, right? <laughs> and uh, so we smoked it all. And, uh, and the, the next day, right before school, what was I doing? Yeah. Did not quit a bit. And I did that. I told myself, I think I think I did that whole about that whole month I, until like, like a week before. And I was just like, well, forget it now. And then I tried to drink pickle juice or something before the water right, before yeah. the, the test or whatever, which didn't work for so. Anyway, that was what led up to uh, the jail time. But was it that was the charge dealing or no? No, I never got no. It was uh, the 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 original. It was two different counties, man. Uh, The first one was um, uh, drinking. That was uh, 
legal consumption because I was 18, uh, drinking, and then uh, resisting arrest. We ran. And then, yeah, uh, the of other, course. The other I county, ran every single time. <laughs> the other county, now I did get a, uh, they found a, a dugout in, in my car, which uh, didn't have no, I had no, no actual weed, but it had the resin in the mm-hmm. pinch hitter. And they got me for um, for whatever the charge that I can't remember what the name of it was, but they gave, they gave me that, and uh, which led to the uh, the probation in that county, which which was ended up what popped me. I was on probation in both counties for both charges. <laughs> had to deal with the other one later. You know, I got six months out of that one too later on. But anyway, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I skated too. My little, you know, I kept on getting lucky. I'd get you know, the cops around here dump your pot out and laugh at you. You know, and and I really look back at that and see how many times I poured out beer. Now I think I'm probably a little older than you, uh, and there has been some changes happened. But I remember, I still distinctly remember one uh, time a buddy and I we would go to these little spots and park around town where there wasn't any traffic or be over on a football someplace or some, and burn one mm. and uh, and hang out for a little bit. And uh, and they put rolled up on us while we're back in there, and it's a dead end. There's nowhere to go, you know. And comes over, and we try to play the game. But they look through our shit, and they find the little Sucrets bottle, Sucrets can. I yeah, mean, yeah. That uh, my buddy had cut all up. He'd already cut it up and cleaned it, you uh-huh. know, stems and seeds and all that out out of it. And uh, so he, it was his. And a uh, cop found it, and he's laughing at it, you know, and and doing that little bullshit they do about, you know. So what's this? You know, <laughs> yeah. What's this? You know. And he said, "Well, here it goes." And he turned it up, and it just—I remember seeing it sprinkle out into the wind. You know, it was all cut and cut up, ready to roll. And uh, and he said, uh, "Come back next year, and there'll be some growing here." And my buddy goes. No took the seeds out. <laughs> <laughs> Guarantee it. I wouldn't want no seeds. Yeah. yeah. And then they let us go. And I see that's, uh, there must be, there must be a little bit of years there because like, I don't know, like, uh, like I hear nowadays they get like, they'll give you a ticket or something and let well, you yeah, come back around. Right? Yeah. And I'm way. like, man, I wish they did. I never got any treatment like that. I, they got me every yeah. damn time. Cause so, pot's going to be legal in a minute if it ain't already right. and that kind yeah. of thing. And you know, hell, one of my. And I mean, I hesitate to say it because I don't know how, but it was on Facebook. It doesn't matter. There's a little shop right up the road from me that was uh, selling these moon rocks the other day. And they posted it on Facebook. And I didn't know what they were, but I looked at it and I had an idea about what it was. And uh, and I Googled it and it's like, it's pot. It's some kind of the edible you know, things. No, it's, you... uh, it's like they, from what I understand and why I chased down the Google link, I have no idea. I guess that's it. That's, uh-huh. that's that disease saying, hmm, what is that? And right, that, right. And, and so I Googled it and found out, and it's they clean like high-grade pot, clean it, uh-huh. and cut it up, and maybe put it in some kind of grinder thing, and then they infuse it with some stuff, dab, and keel, oh, K-E-I-L, something, and it's these little crumbles uh-huh. and these little rocks, and then you break it up and, and, and smoke it. And they're selling it just right down the street here. Oh, so you add some? I thought Dab was just another form. I don't know any of that. Saying saying weed or something. Right? Yeah, me neither. I don't. That's that's the terms that was in the write up. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard that said before, like on other podcasts and on other things. People talking about Dab and and I talked to a guy last night. We was down there that, that was at the, that went to did a fist step with me. The other fist step, my sponsee's sponsee. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he knew a little more about it because we were talking about it. But my point is, is that you, uh, I don't think that's legal. 
But the dude has posted it on Facebook and Brave saying, "Come and get it." Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think they, you know, they're on that deal where, at the very best, they're decriminalizing the use of marijuana. Which, you yeah. know, I mean, I could care less really because I, when I look at it, you know, I go, "Yeah, if you can sell the booze, you know, and, and do that, then why can't you smoke a little pot?" But I mean, I can't. But for right. those out there that choose to do so, man, and I still think, to be honest, I mean. If I could have kept it to just, you know, uh, smoking, um, I think I, I might have been able to pull off life okay. You know what I mean? Just smoking some just weed. I don't think there's nothing here, wrong man. with it. But, uh, well, I was doing way more than just a little, getting a high a little here and there. But but either way, you know what I mean? If that's what somebody wants to do, more power to them. But, uh, you know, it's a little different when you get into other stuff. But uh, with that alcohol, you know, anyway. Well, I know um, some people that weed brought them down too. You know, oh, yeah. actually, just weed was got to be a point that they just couldn't do anymore, and they couldn't anything. stop, and they yeah. couldn't, you know, and they can't afford to continue the habit and start doing behaviors that allow them to get enough money to afford their habit, and you know, one thing leads to another, and boom, they're in trouble with nothing but some pot. And there's probably a controversy over that too, because it, you know, it did lead me to the uh, the other stuff. So you know, I mean. I don't know, but yeah, my I know gateway drug was a cigarette. That was what I first thing I got high. I doing. smoked before I did. Yeah, I smoked cigarettes. It's the first thing, I and I remember. I remember yeah. bigger than anything. I was down in front of the high school, and somebody offered me a cigarette. And I wasn't in high school, but I went to junior, like you said, the junior high and the high school, were, mm-hmm. and we were, uh, you know, back in those days, it was open campus. Lunchtime, you could take a hike. And uh, somebody offered me a cigarette, and, you know, and, and I didn't know what to do with it. My mom smoked, uh, but but I never, you know, for whatever reason, I, but I remember almost falling down. Yeah. You know I mean? I had to lean against the wall and sit on the windowsill in front of that building for a minute to catch my balance. And I, hmm. Of course, that lasted about two more puffs, you know, and that, that buzz don't. Right. <laughs> just that happy. buzz don't, last, don't work for very long. Yeah, you, now that you mentioned it, I, uh, I smoked before I, uh. You know, for a couple of years before I actually got into the other. So yeah, you know, it just started opening me up to going, you know, I think that allowed me to be open to why I was open to smoking a joint when the opportunity came and why I was open to doing this and why I was open to doing that. And the next thing you know, you know, I'm smoking some meth or I'm snorting the meth and I've got, you know, and so, you know, why not? You know, I've already done this, you know, it's that, that, that slow escalation. Yeah. You couldn't ever told me I was going to be where I went. Yeah, uh, justifying it along the way once you take those steps, yeah. each one or what have you. Yeah, because uh, I told myself I wasn't going to do anything with the uh, the weed and uh, alcohol uh, forever, you know. And and I made it till I was twenty one before I crossed the line on the uh, on that on the other. So, but crossed it nonetheless. You know? Yeah, yeah, because it got to be where you know I was hoping to try whatever you had. You know, uh, really inhibitions left. Yeah, uh, I never made it to the needle. Yeah, me neither. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will say that was a yet. Yeah, right. I never get, made get to the enough. needle yet. Get me. I was going enough. there because I, I was snorting the heroin. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. See, you know, I, that's what I thought. If I had, if I had made it to, you know, and like I said, get me drunk enough, and some people come over or whatever, lay one out. I'd have started with that, and then it could have went right to the, uh, you know. The yet that yep. I didn't make it. Yep. Yeah. I got locked up and got and had my big time consequences that caused my, you know, stoppage uh, right at the time I started hitting the H. And uh, and and I, you know, I got God stopped me. 
Like, when, when, what's your uh, sobriety date? When? January 1st, 2015. Okay. So I just settled back what, five and a half years now. Okay. Yeah, uh, I thought uh, we came in the program about the same time. I was, uh, I came in at, at that around that time. Uh, would you say June? July, you? January 1st actually is my sobriety date. Now, see, I've been kicking around AA since 2011, though. I had about four-year stint of playing with it. And, yeah. and I actually had what, what I picked, you know, I had to be, it's funny because I, and I do this thing where I say, uh, if I knew I was going to be telling this story, I'd have kept better track. Uh, and also there's some things I wonder if I don't block, but I picked up a one year token in 2012 off of the first year. Mm-hmm. What I didn't do is I didn't drink. Uh, I toyed around with some other substances, smoked a little oh, weed, okay. took a few pain pills, did some other things in that window. But I walked up in front of a group of people and took a one-year token telling myself I was in AA and I didn't drink for a year. And I really didn't. But I, I see where, you know, uh, that that didn't carry me. You know, I kept on putting my tools down and slipping back and I was like, that bouncing off the halls and walls of AA for four years, trying to do it my way. Uh, various periods of sobriety, 30 days here, you know, had a little whole little pile of chips in there from trying and trying. And uh, and then, then I had, and then I got caught breaking in house stealing pain pills. And that was, uh, and I stood in front of a judge down there in New Albany, told me I was going to prison for six to 20 years. And uh, that didn't sound like a, life plan to me i didn't really know what else to do yeah. uh but i ran into spiritual underground guys and and they offered me some hope that i could buy for the first time you know i mean I, not that i didn't buy a not that i didn't uh I, you know i saw something obviously that was working for a lot of people you know but but i didn't think i could do it and uh you know that's didn't think it worked for me and 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 frankly didn't really want to uh and but but when when that prison sentence is staring at my face, my wants and stuff yeah. kind of changed a little. <laughs> yeah, I heard uh, something that rang true for me is uh, uh, when I was in a, a treatment. Uh, they said uh, when you, when you're um, when you're uh, shoot, how's it go now? Um, when you're willingness. Uh, Dang it, when you're, uh, when you're, um, dang it. Let's move along. I'll figure it out. Yeah, it'll come back around to you. (laughs) So, uh, these jail sentences, like, you were still a teenager, right? Right out of high school? Or these? Yeah, the first ones. uh, Man, I've been, uh, I try to pinpoint it, but it's in between 30 or 40 times I've been to jail throughout the whole time before I got sober. Yeah, so uh, like I said, if you knew you were going to be telling the story, we'd have kept better track. Yeah, right, right. Um, when your when your expectations decrease, your willingness increases. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, um, so um, uh, so the uh, the jail sentences. What was yeah, coming out of high school and you just getting in, got locked up, and and that's where we were at. And you ended up spending six months in jail mm-hmm. um, up there for violation of probation. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, you know, it just uh, from there. Uh, the um, 
like, oh, what my uh, my grandmother passed away, um, and that I had I had twins um, with uh, a woman that I was about to break up with her, and uh, it was my first kind of like relationship, real relationship type deal, and uh, it got to the point where I was kind of you know done, and then and then boom, we find out you know I got, she's pregnant, and then we're not done, yeah, we're not done, and then I'm you know like okay, let's let's do the right thing here type of thing, so. That was the idea, and um, I tried to tough that out, and um, so we, we had the kids, and um, and then it, right then when I talk, talked about that that line that I crossed with the other stuff, it happened right after um, they were born, like uh, maybe they were like a year, year and a half old, right before uh, we split up. What was the other stuff? Uh, started out with cocaine, and then um, it's one of my favorites. Man, I don't like it. I just like the smell of it. Yeah, right. You know, um, but no. So I did the first line of that, and I was like, "Whoa," you know. And, uh, and then, it, then I, I really like the meth, though. I, it moved to the meth quickly, and then I that, like the stuff that pumped me up. I like that stuff that kept me drinking, that allowed me to operate it to where I thought I needed to operate. See, I, a lot of people talk about that, and I wish I could. I, you know, I, I never tried to get to that. You know, in balance with it. I, if I was doing one, I was doing one. But if I was doing the other, I was doing the other. Really? Huh. Like, um, I put I put the liquor down and just do the coke. You know what I mean? Or the meth or what have you. And I was doing meth. I was just doing meth, and that was kind of my thing. But, um, but yeah, I really like that because it gave me the false sense of that I was, uh, um, productive, and you know, I want to do things that I normally wouldn't want, mundane stuff that I wouldn't want to do, and I'd be actually getting things done, So and, and then working and stuff like that, and I, and in my line of work, uh, it's directly proportionate to what you do, what you put into it, so you get out of what you put in, so it made me, gave me that false sense mm-hmm. of I was, I was doing better, doing more, doing something good, you know what I mean, and, yep. and so that was the, the bad stigma that hit, you know, the that made me think that it was okay and, and maybe fueled me to do more. Even. So, so I ran with that a lot. I'd go for months, you know, uh, you know, and, uh, that stuff will wear you out. And I, my threshold was five days and I, I just boom, I'd hit the bed and then had to get up and do more, you know, but, but yeah. And so that was, that was a kind of on again, off again type of deal. I'd take breaks or what have you. Um, and, uh, first time I ever did that, I thought I was doing Coke. I didn't know. Oh, you mean somebody you actually thought it was what? Well, it was cutting out a line, you know, and that's what was the words was used, you know. And some girl grabbed me up in a bar and, and said, you want to do a line? And I said, sure. <laughs> and we went in the girl's restroom and she got something out and chopped it up with a razor blade. And it was on the toilet tank of the mm-hmm. toilet on the back. And and I did it. And I remember doing it and going, well, that didn't seem like the same thing right, I right. was used to. But, you know, it. Had a similar effect, and I'm already drunk. Yeah. So you know, you know, and but there was a difference for sure. You know, yeah. uh, that was a long-lasting yeah, yeah. effect. That uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, what? You know, what was that? Yeah, right. <laughs> I yeah. need some more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, I thought, and another thing is, you know, you have to. I could just. I guess my tolerance was low for that stuff because I could just do a little bit and it'd last forever. And I would just, I'd be like, I'd, I'd divvy it out and, and just, you know, to keep it and let, make it last forever. Well, I'd do, I'd take a grand last story if it was just me doing it for like a week because I could, you know, just do little bumps. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. But anyway. Yeah, that stuff will, uh, so the, uh, how long did that run last? Man, that was an on again, like I said, on again, off again for all the way up until the time I finally, you know, got to AA. But, 
um, it, whenever uh, a, a game changer, a turning point, um, would have been whenever uh, I was uh, 25 and um, I'd gotten into this career, a sales career, and uh, um, started working for this guy out of Greenwood. And anyway, um, he got a chance to uh, move to, um, to here in Kentucky. Uh, where he's from in, in E-Town, and um, he wanted me to move with him and start the business up, and I had a choice to make, but but right before that, um, I uh, I lost my license, got a couple driving while suspended, and in Indiana, if you get three, you get a, um, a habitual offender charge, and you could lose your license for like a long time, and I didn't want to risk that, so I wasn't driving, and um and while that happened, while I was not driving, I had people catering to me because I was good at what I do. So they would come and drive me around to, to, and they would make money off of it and stuff like that. But, but anyway, um, because of that, I remember thinking, if you don't have to drive, you can drink anytime you want to. And that thought hit my head and I went to the liquor store and I got a fifth and started and, and got drunk and how I was talking about in uh, with with once I'd made my mind up after smoking that first time, this is what we're doing. That's that same thing happened right after that, and I had drank many many times before that. You know what I mean? But because I made that decision, this is what that, that I can drink anytime I want to because you ain't got to drive. And I and I bought that fit. It was just like that invisible line they talk about or whatever. Like after that, it was crossed. It was done. It was over. It was like there is no not drinking now. And I drank a fifth a night at least ever since from that day forth. Wow! And it would it, that's when the alcohol took over, and it was, man, it you know it beat me down, but it was just like there was no turning back, no looking back. It was just that's it. There's no you can't not drink now. And I remember when we moved because he you know he sold me on the idea you know you're moving to E Town and this is what it is and and I was like all right fine we'll do it you know and so we move but unbeknownst to me. It's uh, Hardin County at the time was a dry county, uh-huh. right? I didn't know what the hell a dry county was. I never lived in a place that had them. And so I'm like, when we get there, he's like, he's like, I was like, okay, let's go to the liquor store. You know, he drank too. So I was like, all right, let's go to the liquor store. He's like, oh, this is a dry county. I was like, what? I was mad. I was like, it's a, a, yeah, what is a dry is- county, dude? And he's like, and it, but there was, you know, he didn't see I was mad, but he was like, there's, there's a, on each side or each there's a county on each side that, that, that isn't, you know, dry and we can go there and get the, I was like, all right, but man, yeah, most Kentucky cool. counties are real little too. So yeah, yeah, well, I was mad. I didn't care. I, was, I wanted liquor. I wanted my liquor right there where I was yeah, at, you yeah. know what I mean? But, uh, so anyway, it was, it was what it was, but we grew, you grew up with no Sundays up there. Yeah. You know, we a, didn't have Sundays, but you, you, it's what you're used to, right? Yeah. And being here down here in New Albany, you know, you could easily just jump over Louisville all my life. Yeah, right. Beer on Sunday yeah. or whatever, you know, wasn't a huge oh, yeah. big deal. But like Columbus, it's a little different. You yeah, know, you know? yeah. Sundays I always had, you to, had prep. to be prepared. Had to prep. Yeah, you just had to be prepared. Yeah, no doubt. And if you have to go to a bar, you got to go to a bar. They, you can go to a bar, but you can't buy at a liquor store. Right. So, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, Dry County and now what? But at the same time, though, I formed uh, the uh, one of the biggest resentments. I think the biggest um, resentment. Um, I had had which was uh, towards myself um, because I'd left my kids. They were at the time about I think five years old. I remember celebrating their five year five year old for five year birthday um, right before I'd left, and and I just left. You know, I didn't say anything. I didn't. You know, I just went. 
You know? Poof. And 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 looking back on it, I know I felt something. I know I thought about it at some point. You know what I mean? I, so I can't, you know, say that I I just didn't think about it. You know, I I made a decision. You know what I mean? And I did not. And I I didn't do the right thing. And and looking back on that, that that was a big, you know, big part of the forming of the biggest resentment, which was toward myself and then not being a father towards to my kids. So that was the start of it anyway. So yeah, start. Like that remorse, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. When that one was deep seated and uh, made for a lot, lot of more drinking as it went on, but I couldn't drink much more than I already was. But you know, I tried. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. so where to go from there? What happened to uh, you know? We don't have to stick around with the war that awful much. What happened to you that made you hit the wall that you said, okay, enough's enough? And it was just, from there, it was just um, the same thing. It was always drinking, and and that took center stage. You know, I'd, the weed kind of, you used to always have, you know, the weed was the center stage and everything else was, and and it took center stage, and it didn't matter what else was, you know. You know, I get, get drunk enough that I want to get high or whatever, but for the most part, give me a bottle, and, and that was my, I was fine. Sit down and give me a TV and a bottle, and that went on for, you know, 12 years, um, mm-hmm. just every night, fifth at least, you know, and uh, unless jail, you know what I mean, do some jail time here and there. And, um, but, um, and that, and that, now I jump around to different places working for different, cause you know, you burn some bridges and stuff. And I, you know, the, the career that I had, I could move around and I'd move to different places and work for different people and, and, uh, burn bridges and just, um, hop around and it just wasn't much of a life and it, and imp- important part of that was like my motives for each time that I would like start over again which you know we always build up this structure and then pull it down on ourselves mm-hmm. right? right the book talks about and that was kind of the, my thing I would I would seek out or my, my intentions would be to go and, and, and make a life for me and my kids and, and, and build a home for them to like, you know, okay, this is going to be their home with me whenever, you know, I have them. And, and so that they got some kind of a, a parent, you know, which is what I always what I wanted to be a uh, father. And, and, and I would try to build that up and it would just never even like, I couldn't even get to step one, let alone, you know what I mean? Build up some, any kind of a structured home for them, you know, but I would, that would be the intention. And it would it wouldn't even start before I'd pull it down on myself, you know, and and uh, which you just can't drink like that and do anything, you know. I I couldn't, you know. Yeah. So uh, that went on endlessly. Like uh, talk about that um, uh, the cycle, you know, vicious um, cycle. And that was my cycle, like that intention, and then it never working, and then but the the the, the first drink cycle or what the drink cycle was an every night thing. It never was, you know. It was no. Uh, sobriety of any kind unless I went to jail like I said so the repeated cycle like was was uh it didn't start that vicious cycle it didn't start until um the real definition of it that the book talks about didn't start until I moved to back because I moved around a different place well I finally moved back to Kentucky to the the guy he always paid me good so I always moved back to him every now and then and and uh would start try to try to do the same thing and and then I did it this time in 2012 and um, it wasn't too long after doing that that uh, I got nabbed for my first uh, felony charge with that, that stuff that we had talked about. And, um, and I went to jail. And um, so I got out and I conveniently um, 
got a hotel room with in the in the same parking lot in the parking lot of the hotel was a liquor store conveniently so that worked out really well so but that vicious cycle started then because i remember during that time of being in jail i would tell myself okay i'm gonna you know i'm gonna quit drinking i'm gonna start working out i'm gonna do i had all these you know things i was gonna do and 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 that first night i got out and didn't even know i was getting out got out and on a whim and I'm seeking, I'm looking for a liquor store and, and some money to get a, get a bottle. And I, and I got a bottle and, you know, it was off and running. But um, but it was um, every day from kind of from that point to 2015 when I quit that um, I'd tell myself, okay, you know, I'd wake up dry heaving in the you know toilet until uh, you got to quit drinking, you're going to kill yourself. That was what would happen to my over and over. I'd be telling myself this while I'm, I'm puking or dry heaving in the toilet. And um, I would say, you know, you gotta quit or you're gonna kill yourself. And and I would have that intention. You know, that would be the start. And then somewhere between that point and lunchtime, I was the mind had changed, and I was trying to get a beer for lunch. You know, just a beer. And well, you know, I, you mean, know, that, well, I, I tell knew, myself that. Right, right, right. And let's see, and, and and a lot of people um, like try for that first drink that the book talks about. My, I was an all or nothing guy. You know what I mean? I was either going to quit altogether and have the white picket fence or get drunk. Give me the whole bottle or, or, or nothing at all. Yeah. And, and so my, my, uh, control and enjoy or my, um, um, deception was, uh, was a little bit different uh, than most, but it was still the same, same yeah, thing yeah. anyway. But, um, anyway, yeah. And I remember I, those days in saying, you know, not today, not today, yeah. you know, I just not, you know. And I couldn't do it. I, day after day after day, I couldn't do it. You know, and like you, you know, once I hit that wall, like when my mind changed, it didn't just change a little bit. When I when the flips, when the yeah. switch flipped and said, "Okay, we're going to drink today," we're doing it, yeah. and then we're going to do it. You know, yeah, yeah. I never did. You know, there might be a little down again, of just a little bit, just to feel a little better. But yeah. really, that'd be like it's foolish. Yeah, yeah, you're not really doing that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't like I'm not going to. Uh, uh, trick myself enough to think that I would just drink one drink anyway. I was never a one. I mean, I never drank one drink. So why would we try that yeah, now? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. But so that happened for three years, you know what I mean? Every day doing that pretty much every day, you know, a few aside here and there, you know, if you just go on a, a bender of not working when I didn't work, I drink, you know, all day. So anyway, but, um, there was most of those days I would be telling myself that I was going to quit and didn't do it. And then, so I got popped again. Uh, I was on probation after that charge probation officer caught me um we got a lot of time here oh yeah we got a uh, lot of time brother funny little story i uh so i was on probation again like i had been many times but um so uh i i'd almost completed it you know i dodged him being drunk all the time dodged him he'd come by and i wouldn't you know anyway dodged him for almost three years and and um he uh he finally uh i i i I didn't uh, give myself enough days on the on the go fast, and uh, so I, I pissed dirty. And, and I went in, I went in to see him, and he was like, "Okay, you've been uh, you've been with me long enough. Um, I'm going to test you. If you're if you're clean, you're on unsupervised probation. If you're not, um, we got problems." So the one time I come in dirty, you know what I mean. Anyway, I, I failed it, and I dodged him for a while, and he, he caught up with me, and. He caught up with me in my in the new hotel that I'd got. I had to move hotels, of course. So um, anyway, he, he caught me in uh, like in the daytime, and I, I had two bottles of bourbon and a vodka or something. He poured them both out, piss test me, and I, I was clean. 
And uh, but he said he said you don't leave this hotel room, and uh, you don't you don't leave. You know what I mean? And he left. You know what I mean? And I was like, I knew he was coming back. I ran to the liquor store, got more bottles, and I was you know by the time he got back at nine o'clock that night, he came back in more liquor bottles. Anyway, he, he you know he told me not to drink, and here I am. You know, so I knew he was coming back. Had a friend over, and she, you know she tried to talk him out of out of throwing me in jail, and that didn't work because I'm all drunk talking shit. Anyway, uh, so I go to jail. So, but it was a blessing um, because he actually, like, while he we were he were he was sitting there, and and I'm all drunk, just, like sitting on the bed. He's calling some people he knew, trying to get me into Owensboro Regional Recovery, uh, which is what was my first step in the journey. He finally got a hold of somebody, and they said, "Okay, I can get him in there. There's a mm-hmm. bed open or whatever." Yeah. And then he got me in there, which is a it's the same place as same thing as the uh, healing place. It's mimicked off of the healing place. Same structure everything but it was just in owensboro yeah it's part of kentucky um whatever they call it their their program to all over the state they got these places like that so and that the, that one was the one that had a bed open so that's where i went and i had to wait for uh to go there for you know in jail for a month or whatever so and but in, in that time i'm sitting there thinking okay you know you've been telling yourself you want to quit for you know every day you know and this is your chance so i look i was looking at it as kind of like an opportunity to you know to quit and it was my first beginning of part of the you know the program getting introduced to the program and and having some willingness doing it you know what i mean so that's where you know i got started yeah yeah talk about that you know that like i say the court ordered some aa when i was a kid off of duis and things like this and they, they made me go and i don't really remember any of it you know but uh, so sometimes when I talk, I, I make sure I clarify that when I came in in 2011, I came in with like a third tradition in my pocket where I truly came in with the desire to stop. Right. You know, yeah. I've been before, but I didn't have any, I had any desire to stop on any of those other trips. But when I came in at that point, I really did. I wanted to stop. I couldn't yeah. still, but I wanted to. Right. Well, yeah, I, I relate because, uh, I mean, all those, I mean, I skipped a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that happened in between there. Right, and, there yeah. and a bunch of those times, the same thing. I'd be on probation. They'd send me to some place, some little thing. And I, I would do dodge the piss test enough to, you know, to, to quit enough to get through that. But other than that, I wasn't listening to nothing. Didn't yeah. hear nothing. Dodging and weaving. Yeah. And I, they made me go to a couple meetings in between there. I did not hear a damn thing in those meetings. You know what I'm saying? The ones I had to go to. So, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah, I was absent. I don't, you know, it's amazing how I could not hear anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> like when I finally got there for real, I really, the things they were saying, I'm sure they were saying the same things. Right. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like I heard it for the very first time. I was able to yeah. effectively block every bit of that out back in. What I remember, cigarette smoke, old men, and coffee. And I can remember, still remember one of the meetings, and it's down here in New Albany at the carriage house in New Albany that still had meetings down there. It was one of the ones I went to, and I didn't know where I was going, but I had a friend who knew where to go to an AE meeting because that was helping me get out of trouble. And I remember going down there, man, and it was like that cloud of smoke had hang about halfway up the ceiling. Mm-hmm. You know, and people, almost like I, my memory a little bit of is like was looking under that cloud of smoke to see, you know, how to get to the bathroom and how to get to the out the door. But I don't remember any AA or recovery talk in those meetings. It's crazy. Now I think back. There was this guy. Way back, this was like when I was 18. One of those times I got you know, arrested or whatever. This guy come and got me and took me to to Franklin to a meeting and to this place to a meeting a couple different times. He was, I didn't know at the time. I was just, I don't know what I thought. But this dude was trying to 12 stuff. He was trying to yeah. help me out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did not, I don't know what I thought, but. 
but I just thought he was a good guy. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and but he was trying to help and he was trying to stay sober. And right. you know, yeah. and um, and I'm sure he did. he had some years at the time too. And you know, he was trying to carry the message to me. Yeah, I thought He's about that doing a what, times. what we're taught to do here, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and and I'm clueless back then, right? I yeah. Just, Thanks for the ride, buddy. Yeah, right, right. I needed to go to I get my With paper signed money, or some want, shit. You know. Yeah, yeah. We got time, man. Most of these things go. A couple fan saw got me. Most of these things go a couple hours, man. Because I mean, that's what you know. One of the things is, is we're open to talk about you know and say the substances that we use, and 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 that's what I want to hear is that you know. The real true story, because that's one of the, that I have to be a little careful saying this, but I don't mind speaking my truth today. One of the things about going around, and it's a lot better in AA now than it used to be, but you know, there's still that thing about like I gotta I gotta censor my talk, and it's mine. Yeah. You know why are you worried about it? If I did heroin, if I did meth, if I did, you know, that's you. I like a, one of my her speakers say one time. He goes, you know, um, I don't mean to offend anybody, but my story has drugs. And I beat up my wife, you know, <laughs> so we, we do some weird stuff, but now we're going to say, oh, don't, don't talk about drugs. And I think it's more relatable if you tell exactly what's going on and be like, oh yeah, oh, I did that. It, I, yeah. you know. Where do you run into a pure alcoholic anymore that didn't dabble in anything else? I mean, I know they're there, but most of us are, you know, uh, what do you got? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, no, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Drunk as hell can barely stand, but I don't. I got my morals. I got. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't want any of that. Like I do remember one time, um, and it's interesting because my pain pills became my favorite. You know, alcohol and opiates. That was my favorite. You uh, know, because uh, I found the opiates would do the same thing to me that that speed would do back then. You know, the the meth and the coke. But for some reason, I would like justify it because this, the pills felt like they were above board. You know, uh, come out of a bottle. Wasn't my prescription, <laughs> but if, for whatever reason, I justified. But it would do the same thing to me. You know, my dad up there takes a pain pill, and he's on the couch for eight hours. I take one, I'm raking the leaves and cleaning the house. Uh, yeah. It it's not that- one, but, you know, I do that. So that love that combination of alcohol and opiates. And a bunch of years ago, I, I come to light of, I was down at the cabin with another family. We'd invited some people down, and I was still married, and they brought their kids down. And we kind of walked off with this guy, and we smoking a little pot. And he said, hey, man, you want a couple of lower tabs? And I said, nah, man, I don't want that. You know, and, and, and like, uh, frankly, yes, I did. But I didn't for whatever reason. I don't know if I told him. I didn't know what they were. Uh, you know, I'd had pain medication all my life, but I didn't know what the dude was offering me. And, I, and, and, and it surprises me today to think that I turned it down. And it turned out to be my very favorite thing. Uh, but at the time, I don't know if I did it because I was trying to, like, be something I wasn't. Uh, if I didn't know what it was, if it scared me or whatever. But I just had that memory. I remember him offering me, me those. And uh, and I turned them down. Yeah, yeah. I, I used you know, a substitute, you know I mean? Uh, if I, I really like what the the met did as far as uh you know the motivation and all that so if there was times where i couldn't find that and somebody had some hydros lord tad same thing you know i yeah, do those yeah. two but but a lot of times it ended up being the hydros they they did have mm-hmm. the same kind of effect maybe a little bit of motivator where i can you know work and be fine working without you know what i mean and, yeah and 
be okay. Yeah, I thought that. that's what they did. I thought those pills helped me operate better. Yeah. I thought they gave me like a higher level of functioning. There was few and far between for me. I had a friend that really loved Zannies, and I do those every now and then. I just never I didn't care real, for that. I just, yeah, it wasn't my thing. The down thing wasn't my thing either. Me either. So, and I mean, then the pot started being that way to me too. When I would smoke pot, it'd put me down. It'd be, it'd be the end of my day. And so I quit smoking pot. You know, I was like, yeah. And if I did, it would only be like at a nightcap. Yeah. You know, that before I'm getting ready to crash, then I, I'd be okay with that. But it's I wanted to keep going. Thing. I'm not smoking it. Towards the end. Like, it just is just more of a, I'm not really worried about it. And it kind of. It maybe yeah, it kind of put me down where I could keep I could have kept drinking if I didn't do it. Right, yeah. Because it'd be six p.m. or something. We're sitting around drinking. I don't want to smoke no pot. There's a bunch of day left. Yeah, right. <laughs> bunch of drinking time. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I didn't have it until towards the end because I really loved that. Same here. That yeah, weed. but yeah, towards the end, it got to be like that. Can't tell you how I mean. Like, and I don't know what it is, uh, but as I travel around, I do handyman work, so I'm in a decent neighborhood in that neighborhood, and I'm out working in somebody's backyard, and I'm here and there. And man, I smell pot everywhere I go today. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm staying around like, you know, it's fine. Uh, a skunk. I'd be going down the road, but uh, funny you said that. Just yesterday, I was at another alcoholics house. We was all hanging out, a bunch of alcoholics just uh, hanging, and and I heard. Uh, neighbor or something she the apartment uh was uh and he's about every time you go up there you know there's it's like it was i was like man that's some good that's some good stuff good stuff there you know but yeah you could definitely you know, not like you couldn't before but it's like ooh. yeah i smell it as i'm driving down the road i can smell it in the car you know i, I smell that the person in front of me is, sm- is smoking dope and just seems to be really really normalized right now and um you know and it'll get I don't know. It's a stretch because I know that I know that's not on the table for me today, and it's part of the reason why I know I have this disease called, and when I just simply call it alcoholism, you know, it's the addiction, it's the whole this whole needing to reach outside for to get my insides filled, uh, and I, with every bit of intellectual ability I have, I know that's not for me. I know that the blessings I have in my life will more than likely go away in a heartbeat, or if it ain't a heartbeat, I'm heading down uh, my history shows me that but when i smell that smell mm-hmm. my there's something in me go well that smells good it does you know and, just uh, smells, you know it's yeah. not like i all want to smoke it. it's just like mm, just for that split seconds like mm, mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah, yeah. catches my attention so uh after this this dude he sent you you went and did some you did some jail time after this violation at the hotel room and yeah, yeah, and then uh, they sent. I left, had to leave from the jail and go get my own self to Owensboro. Got there, and I was working my way through the. You know, the plan was to do the deal and um, had one little setback, and uh, I had already been thinking while I was there. You know, I wanted to quit. I wanted this was the time to, you know, the thing that was going to help me quit and all that. But but also there was that lurking notion that it was my first violation. You know what I mean? A lot of people go in there and they get they get. Ten violations still get out, and you know what I mean, get chances. And I'm in here with one. You know, I could leave this place right now and not even, you know. So as I'm trudging along trying to, you know, quit drinking and do their little program, there's that lurking notion of uh, you can leave here and they ain't going to do anything to you. You know, you can get away with it, you know, and go back to life instead of all this stuff. You know, trudging, you know what I mean? And uh, so that was that lurking notion. And then so I, I had one uh, 
something happened and, and I got words over it and I was pissed and, you know, caught a resentment from it or whatever. And I, it, it got enough to me to where I, you know, said, all right, I'm leaving. And, uh, the funny thing, I, uh, my plan that I had concocted was to leave that boss that I had, you know, he was part of the problem, you know, um, and, 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 and get with a new one that had already met, kind of fucked me over before, but, but he was in Louisville. And, uh, and so it was kind of a new start type of thing. And I was, you know, I had the sobriety still thinking going on, like, I'm going to go there and, and stay sober and all that. But the, the main thing was to switch jobs and, and to the place in Louisville, not knowing that recovery is strong, strong in Louisville. You yeah, know what I mean? Really and, uh, that wasn't any part of, you know, my intentions at all, but it, but, uh, come to find out, you know, it was a blessing that I, that that was my little plan. So that I left there, got with the guy that uh, that worked in uh, Louisville, said, "Hey, I'm going to start working for you. Let's do this." Moved into his house, and um, they, because I left, they uh, they sent they put me in jail for a month. But they ended up giving me drug court over leaving there and transferring my case to, to Louisville. And so I I was doing uh, drug court in, in Louisville, and really I was not happy. You know what I mean? I wanted to quit, yeah, but but I didn't want to be made to quit. You know what I mean? And that's what that program kind of is, 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 is the deal is. You have to, I mean, if you want to get through it, you've got to stay sober. You know, and I knew that. I was crying. I was like, I, I was, you know, I was tore up. You know what I mean? When it, the, the day finally came when I had to, like, do the deal. Like, I knew the next day, you got to quit to pass the test. You know, the, they're going to start giving you. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know. I didn't know how to quit. I don't know. I just, you know, I did that two months and I went to some meetings and stuff and I learned a little bit. But still, I did not think that I could quit drinking. You know what I mean? For real, for real. And um, but, uh, you know, I had that month lag where they had to transfer my stuff. And so I was drinking that whole time after a re- when I moved to Louisville. I got, you know, I relapsed quickly because I didn't go to no meetings. And mm-hmm. and so um, so anyway, uh, there was that month worth of, you know, binge to where that time came and I, and I stopped and, um, and I started doing their little program. I started going to the, you know, their, their stuff, but, but I started going to AA and I started going to meetings and I went to about a meeting a day, you know, and, uh, I was like, you know, this is, this is cool. I'm lit and digging it. You know, I'm, I'm going to meetings. It's working. I'm staying sober, which is like, like not in a structured environment. You know what I mean? I'm out here and living life and actually staying sober, not going to the liquor store. And I was like, this is kind of, I've had some hope going on. And, and, um, but, um, but that's all I wanted to do was go to the meetings. You know what I mean? That's what I did. You know, I went to the meetings and I said, this is working, you know, and I got about, uh, four, almost five months, you know, with that kind of an attitude, this is working, you know, and I'm the kind of guy that likes the least amount of work with the maximum amount of results, you know what I mean? Possible. So, and, and that's, so I want to skate by with that. That was working. And, uh, and I heard everybody in your in the meetings talking about the spiritual stuff and talking about, um, you know, working the steps, getting a sponsor. And that was fine for them. But, you know, for me, this is what I'm going to do. This is working. So that's what I did, you know. And now, but through the the Owensboro thing and um, getting into the program and, and taking some suggestions, uh, people told me um, to pray and to read these pages, 86 through 88 in the big book. And and, uh, and, and I did that in the mornings. And, um and and I have to say, um, I have to talk about this part um, at some point, so I might as well be now. Uh, in my life, um, growing up with my aunt and uncle, and my uncle's a big-time atheist, and, um, and living with them and, and forming my conceptions, which I was when my grandmother didn't go to church, and, and um, 
I was kind of left to the wolves with the whole God concept or idea. And, and um, so my concept as a child formed at like about 14 years old, right before I started doing what I you know, was talking about, smoking and that, uh, I had in my mind, I had decided that I was going to live my life under the concept of do unto others is what you want done unto you. You know, do right by others. And uh, if there is something uh, after, then you'll get there. You know, you're gonna let he's gonna let you in the pearly gates because you've done good. You know what I mean. And uh, if you just do that, you'll be all right. And that's how I tried to live my life. And I tr- I stuck to that as good as I could, doing what I was doing throughout my life. You know what yeah. I mean. So, but but as more I was doing what I like to do throughout my life, the more that concept or resentment or whatever it was that my thought process was t- pushed me towards my uncle's concept of atheism. Of there's nothing out there, and um, and that's what I was leaning towards. But deep down, like talk, book kind of talks about, deep down in every man, woman, child is a, a fundamental idea of God. And deep down, I couldn't really do that. I couldn't go all the way with the atheism thing. But I was, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, guilt free too. So so I was moving more towards that the further I went. And so by the time I got to AA, I did not like the idea of the spiritual side of the program at all, right? Or that G word any of it, you know, or any spiritual stuff y'all were talking about. So long story to get to the part where I'm, you guys are talking in meetings about spiritual stuff, right? And so I'm hearing this and I'm getting, I'm like, shut up with your spiritual talk, please. Don't lie to me like that. You have some audacity, really, to lie to me about your spiritual uh, experiences. And um, it, it really, I mean, I look at it now, it's like, dude, you're, you know, uh, it's not cool, you know what I mean? But that's how my attitude was. And I really didn't like when the spiritual stuff was talked about. Um, but I stood, you know, I liked when you talked about your alcoholism because I could relate, you know, now I couldn't relate to the guy that talks about drinking 10 beers and being, having a problem. I was like, dude, you don't even know how to drink, to be honest with you, to be real. Now I could listen to the guy talking about, uh, drinking a handle, you know what I mean? Which is, I guess they call a hand. I didn't know what that was called when I was drinking, but it's referring to a half gallon. I get that, you know, now, okay, we can, we can talk, but you're, you're drinking a half a bottle of wine or a bottle of wine or, you know, a couple glasses and you got a problem, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know if you're in the right place. But me, now that's, now that was, that, what I'm talking about is, is um, I didn't have a very open mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, you know, um, so, but I still like the meetings and I like the people. And, but there was this anxiety, even with that, liking the meetings and all that, there was still an anxiety that I could not. I didn't understand because I was, I'm a salesman. I've been a salesman for 20 years. People aren't, uh, don't bother me. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm nervous around people. I mean, I'm a people person kind of, right? So, so coming into meetings and feeling this, whatever it was, anxiety, I guess, you know what I mean? Nervousness that, that I felt going into every meeting made me slide past your handshakes and, 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 and try to get to the back of the room and just to get to myself so I could have my meeting and nobody talked to me, you know what I'm saying? So I had that going on and the spiritual blockage going on you know, while I was going to these meetings. So anyway, not a lot of willingness, but, you know, was going to the meetings, you know, and, um, and so I didn't last long. I, you know, I, I think of right before five months, I, I relapsed, went on a bender, you know what I mean? Drug court, you know, the coolest, the cool thing was because of that program that I was in, and the accountability of it, it didn't, 
there was not like I had I had to, got to go out for five more years and come dragging back after I got beat down. I had to come right back. Like I'd go, I'd hide for about a week before they caught up with me, and then it made me come right. I'd put me in jail or whatever, and I come back and I have to come back. So so that was cool. That was good. I didn't like it at the time because right. my vendors didn't get to last long. But but I'd come right back and start going to meetings again. But what I did do during that time was each time I looked at what I was doing and what I wasn't doing. And of course, on the first one, it's like easy. You were going to meetings. That's all you didn't listen to anything they were saying. You were just going to meetings. Now, what I was praying, like I was telling you, I did start to pray um, way back, even when I was in Owensboro, because it was suggested to me. And you know what I mean? I didn't like the spiritual side, but I had enough open-mindedness to start doing it. And while I was doing it, I didn't believe it was going to work or any of that, but I did it, you know? And so anyway, I come back, started going to each time I would just look at what I was doing and what I wasn't doing. And I start, and I would do a little bit more, you know what I mean? I didn't abandon uh, uh, all my ideas each time. I little by little let my ideas to the side and picked up your guys' ideas, that you, the, the suggestions that you were giving. And um, so that's kind of how it rolled for me. And I was a 90 day wonder for a little while. And, you know, and each time, like I said, I did a little more. I, I got a sponsor after two. I sponsor shopped after the first relapse, you know what I mean? Because they wanted me to have one. So I'd look, I'd go get one to have one on paper and say, write their phone number down. And then when they try to have me call them, I wouldn't call them and stuff. But but um, after a couple of relapses and, and wanting to and having the willingness to really want to stay sober and not being able to because my ways weren't, weren't working. I got a sponsor. I met a guy at the, I was going to the, um, what do you name places and stuff like that? I'm pigeon yeah, Roost. You I'm name going, them. Uh, going, I was going over to the Pigeon Roost every morning. It was convenient for my, my time and uh, for uh, my work schedule and everything. And it was 1030 meetings in the morning. And there was this guy who, was, who would share. And it was like, man, I'm like, dude, this guy, he had like a bunch of sobriety, you know, and, but he would share. And it was like, it was from the heart. Like, um, it was, it wasn't some like, Stuff that, that that seemed like was, uh, you know, glittery or, or, or sugar-coated or anything. It was like, it was the bad and the good, and but 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 he was truthful and honest and from the heart. You know what I mean? I could tell. Speaking truth from the heart. And I was like, man, this guy's got it. Whatever it is, I want it. You know what I mean? And uh, so I, I mustered up the courage to ask him if he'd sponsor me. He said yes. And um, and uh, and he said, oh, you know, we'll do this or that. You don't have to call me every day. He was like, we'll get in the steps later, after a while or what have you. And 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 I was like, all right, cool. And I relapsed not too long after that again, um, after I finally asked him or whatever. And I went up to him after the relapse, and I'm dragging back, you know, and I said, hey, man, can we get, can we get in these steps? And, uh, and after that relapse, they sent me to this place called the Beacon House um, in Louisville. And... Uh, and so I get sent there and, and I have to move out of the apartment. I just, I'd start and build some stuff. I got a vehicle, I got this apartment anyway. So I, it was work. The timing worked out perfect. My, my six months was up at the, at the apartment. And, uh, anyway, so I, I moved into the Beacon house and started working the steps with him. I went over to his house every day. Um, I think it was on a Tuesday, um, every week and, and started working the steps mm-hmm. and, um, worked the steps with him and then um right after that i got in a step study group with a guy at the beacon house he does them all the time he just continuously does them and um real good guy alex um and uh he knows the book like he's he, he knows that book you know and uh, it was a good step study to get in so i worked them back to back and man and things were good you know what i mean i was really i put everything you know i i put um 
I was fearless and thorough as it could be at the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and it was good. I mean, I was going to a bunch of meetings. I was getting it. I was like, you know, and and throughout this time, um, that spiritual side of the program that I didn't like turned into me my favorite. Now, it was gradual, but it was because those that spiritual whatever the heck it was I called God was talking to me back through you people in those meetings and, and in little experiences throughout my time driving down the road or whatever, you know what I mean? It was shit was happening that you guys were talking about. And I was like, what the fuck? I didn't think that shit was real. And I, and I really was like, love it. I, I, I was fucked up about it. I was like, I was in awe. Like things, those things were happening. You know what I mean? And, um, so instead of, cause it started out as like, um, like coincidences. I would chalk them up as coincidences. All those. Sure. He, he said that was a coincidence. You know what I mean? I felt it, but he's, that was, you know, one time, no big deal, you know, and two times, three times, four times, like, dude, this shit is fucking real. Yeah, it's a little scary too, you know? I mean, it's, it's yeah. like, hold on, this is right. I'm going crazy is, you know, yeah. doubt ourselves and yeah. And I'm like, and if, nah, nah, yeah. nah, you can only do that so many times. And then I'm like, all right, well, this is shit is fuck. This is real. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah. I don't know when, when it happened, but after so many of those that I called, I would chalk them up as coincidences. Uh, I, I just, all right, I got you big guy. I hear you. You know what I mean? And, um, it was kind of over from there. It was like, all right, I, 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 that belief happened like really, you know, I say it quickly. It was over a matter of time. Those, you know, chalking them up, and then it was just it turned over, and it was like things were really good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that that analogy, like a cam almost. You know, it's like rose slow, and then it boom. Yeah, yeah. The gradual working up to, but the but the spin, you know, happened quick, and then it was just like there's no looking back. You know, and so that that. But but all that started, okay, and I got to, because this, a, a lot of people I know, um, I'm sure, and I hear in the meetings uh, can relate that the part that made that all possible was that little talk with uh, Abby and Bill and, and that, you know, why don't you choose your own concept? Yeah. How freaking brilliant, you know, like, like um, I never even thought of that. Whenever I heard that, I was like, I can't even, because I would always argue with people. You can't do that? Right, right. That's I never even heard of that. What the hell? Right. And, and so uh, I can't. I would always argue with people all my life. You know, what I mean, especially as I was getting towards that atheist, that that uh, concept of wanting to be like more atheist and but couldn't that I was talking about. Yeah. The more I got closer to that, the more I would argue. If you wanted to talk about God, I would be the one talking, and you would think I was an atheist, but I would be asking questions that you couldn't answer because you know the proof and all that, whatever. You know, I would ask the ones you couldn't answer to win the argument. But deep down, I really wanted to be there. There to be something, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Said the deep down in every man, yeah, woman, and yeah. child, and maybe you doing this like hoping somebody, you know, not really knowing, but hoping that somebody could actually give you something. As you question these people, give me something that will roll me over. But I got you backed into a corner. You can't do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like that. That was the ultimate because I could. They couldn't like you know, the argument could be you know couldn't be won. But um, so that may give me some of that satisfaction or what have you. But it's but, a good vibe. It's an argument that can't be won. Yeah. So I anyway. love that man. You was I wouldn't second ago. You said something about when that rolled over and that happened, and you like I saw that you were not one to believe it, not one to get with it, you know. And then and then I saw that like that moment that you talked like basically surrendered to it, and said okay, mm-hmm. all right, big fella, 
Right. I, and I did it again, man. Chills on my arms thinking of that moment of where you wake up, you know, and you go, okay, all right, man, I can get with this. Yeah. And I keep thinking back, and I don't know if this is the moment, but I, I've always, I've tried to here and there, try to think, where, when did that happen? You know, I was going down 65. A lot of things happened on 65 as I was going to work for some reason anyway, from the Beacon House. Like I'd go 65 to right. some town or whatever. And uh, yeah, some feeling, some billboard or something, and the the feeling hit me and it was something from, it was always from the prayer in the morning to the time I would, you know, that feeling happened. And, um, I think I'd already, I'd already, uh, chalked it up as uh, this ain't a coincidence no more, but that was just adding to that belief and, and those feelings and those things that happened. Um, but, uh, for some reason, 65 has been a, <laughs> some, some, like uh, your yellow brick road or something, you know, up. I mean, it just, uh, it, well, like you said, who knows why that stuff happens, right? That, yeah. that, that these things and, and that it's an anchor to you too, right? In your mind, it's an anchor to an event and a happening in a, in right. a path. And now that it's locked in there, you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. part of my journey, right? You know, that road, yep. and you know, somebody else, it might be some woods or somebody else, it might be some basement or somebody else might be, you know, yeah. some person. Nope, lines will snap to it and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, it, okay, the beacon, I was at the beacon house. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I mean, things are good, man. I mean, I got this thing. That's my my attitude now. I got it. This is, um, I can stay. And and it was good. It wasn't totally bad, the old I got it thing. It was it was a hope. It was a, like, this could actually freaking work. You know what I mean? I The, the flippage happened towards... Uh, the hope of it actually not just being a hope and a dream anymore. It was hope of really, I could maybe, I could stay sober. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it, and it switched from maybe to, I can, I can do this. You know what I mean? This can actually work. And, uh, so that was a turning point. Um, but here comes self. Um, you know, <laughs> we got a lot of time. I'll go into it. Yeah, um, we do, man. Uh, like I saw, along the time I was at the Beacon House, this guy says I've never been to the boat, but but one time when my grandmother passed away, anyway, um, and I went and played slots. Well, I loved Texas Hold'em, but I never actually got to play the deal. So um, this guy said, "Hey, you want to go to the boat?" Well, I was at the Beacon, and I was like, "All right." And I started going. I started going a bunch, you know, and um, and it, it was it became like I was working my program, but I was going to the boat too. You know what I mean? And I was liking it. You know, I was liking that feeling I was getting. You know, I, mean, I didn't win a lot, to be honest with you, but, but I liked the feeling when I did, you know, and I, and I liked the, I liked the game and I chalked it up and, and, and I would, uh, justify it because I liked the game and I do like the game, but that's not the reason I really went, you know, I mean, it was the money and the, and the feeling. So, um, anyway, so I was doing that and, and, and it kind of, I was there at the beacon and working the deal and I was there for eight months and time, time come, you know, it's like, all right, you know, you've been here, you know, it's time to go. And, uh, so I moved out and, uh, got my own apartment and just kept going to meetings, kept doing my thing. But I remember when I was, uh, at the beacon, buddy of mine, um, I'm not going to mention any names, but a, a good a guy that I learned a lot from at the beacon house, um, said, Hey man, uh, don't, I think it's time you get a, don't you think it's time to get a sponsor, sponsee? Worked worked the steps with somebody, and um, you know he threw it out there. I think he threw it out there a couple of times, and I'd already thought about it. It doesn't got to the twelve step twice. Worked steps twice. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, but I had justified it. I don't know how many times, but it, especially whenever I remember for some reason whenever he threw it on me, he was you know one of the guys that worked there, and you know so he was a, a figure that I looked up to and was like you know I want to do what this guy says kind of thing. And 
But I, when he told me that, and you know, I justified it, and every time I thought about my own, my own self, I would justify it and say, I don't know this book. All the words in it, I don't know it back and forwards. I'm not really, you know, I don't have it all memorized. And and uh, these people that that uh, that I'm going to be trying to, to sponsor, uh, you know, uh, I got their life in my hands. You know what I mean? I can't, you know, I don't know. You know, I get to be asking me questions. I got to know the answers. I got to try and like be this. Hey, hey, guy, I'm, you know, I'm I'm just getting going with this thing. You know what I mean? And uh, I was at a turning point. You know, I was at a I had a decision to make. You know, and I was going to the boat, and I was liking it. You know, and if I wanted to go, you know, I had to go do work with an alcoholic. Yeah, take up time. You know, there was I don't want to. You know, I got the boat. You know, and 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 I don't know everything, and so I'm justifying, and you know, so I say uh, now wait. You know, I'll wait, and I'd waited, and I kept going to the boat, and I kept doing what I wanted to do, but I was going to meetings. You know what I mean? But um, it was three months later. you know, whatever it was, you know, it was whatever. It was self-pity that got to me, you know, it was stuff that's going on. It's, it's a reoccurring thing with me, but but either way, it doesn't matter. The, the, the point is I wasn't working with another alcoholic. And I made a couple ditch efforts, you know, after this self-pity took me over and I would I would prayed about it a couple of times. I went to a meeting. I told myself, and I, I remember I told myself, I went back to the Beacon House. I actually talked to a guy at the Beacon House, never said anything about what was going on with me, never called my sponsor and, and uh, never said nothing to nobody what was going on inside. But um, I went to the beacon, hung out for a little bit, went to the, uh, the a meeting, and I said, okay, you're going to go to this meeting, and if you don't feel better, I'm going to get high. Mm. And that, that was, I, that was, I, that was the, my ultimatum I gave myself. For, like, and, I, you know, of course, the meeting didn't work, you know, but, you know, I, I was going to anyway, you know, it was already over. But so I went and got high, and it, it lasted about a month. <clears throat> I was, you know, just, I was a month from graduating drug court at time, which was crazy, like a year and a half program that I just went through, made it through if I would have just, you know, yeah. been clean for another month. That's Couldn't the powerlessness, you know what I mean? And uh, so I was gone out there for a month, went to uh, some places that I knew I shouldn't have went to, that I had uh, warrants and uh, went to jail. I was, um, two, three, when it was all said and done, I went to three different jails. Um, this is after working the steps twice. This is after I had almost some recovery, having this moment of going. This thing really can work, maybe. And yeah, eleven, eleven. I had eleven right at eleven months sober hmm. uh, at That's this time. Um, and and so so I did the the uh, the time. I bought cars impounded. I had to pay to get my car out of impound when I got when I was all said and done. I was about to lose my apartment that I just. I had a good little life built up, you know, for myself. You know, Hold something that down. I didn't have before. You know. And um, it was all gone almost, you know what I mean? I got the car back, you know, which was, uh, you know, I needed that to even make a living. I was lucky there. had the money to, to do that. So, you know, I, all the money's kind of gone now after I had to get the car out and all this stuff. Anyway, so I'm sitting in my apartment after the wreckage of everything, you know. And, um, and I'm like, I'm looking, you know, I told you every time I, I looked at what I was doing, what I wasn't doing, you know, and, and – uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, we got to go back to AA. We got to try to get our shit together. We got to, you know what I mean? Try this again, you know what I mean? Got the uh, the pride going on, crushed pride. And, you know, I had this thing. and But uh, but we got to do it, you know. So I'm, so I'm sitting there at day one or whatever. And I'm like, all right, what are we going to do, you know? And, and I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, and I know, I already knew, you know, that feeling that I was talking about that, I don't know, man. I really, am, it was weird to me because, you know, like for me, 
being drunk for so long, uh, when I got sober, it was weird. Like being sober was weird, felt weird. Like, you know, everybody knows it's like, it's not cool. It's weird. And, and it was like that with people, like very weird. I, I, I could not freaking like talk to people. Um, it was a, it was, a, um, insecurity thing going on with a lot of weight that I gained. Yeah. And, and a lot of stuff going on, but it would just did not go away, especially with alcoholics. So going to meetings was cool, but there was still that, that, that whatever that made me want to, whenever an alcoholic would try to talk to me or shake my hand or what have you, from the instant it was, the interaction would start, I would be sitting there trying to get out of the interaction by leaving the conversation and go, get into my seat to get away from it because I didn't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? And so the fellowship was not there. Even though I lived with 50 other alcoholics, had built relationships with these people, strong ones actually. And, but still that feeling was there and I knew it was a problem. The fellowship of the, the, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous was not my strong suit. It was not even there hmm. because I would not build relationships because yeah. I'd get out of the conversations. So I knew that was a problem. That was one. Number two, I'd been told, I don't know how many times, you know, by that guy I was telling you about and by other people, of course, my sponsor probably mentioned it, that I needed to be working with another alcoholic. Didn't do it. So I knew those were the things, you know what I mean? And so, and, um, I had been, um, intrigued by the seventh step, um, the whole time, my, my, my whole time through the program. Uh, I've been intrigued by humility my whole life. Not that I've ever had any of it. I'd always like to see it in other people, you know? And, um, so, so I'd always been intrigued by it and, and, and the, the, the whole step. So I, I hit my knees and I prayed as hard and as earnest as I had ever prayed and I said, my creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I now pray that you remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here do your bidding. And behind that, I know we're not supposed to do that now. I've read about it and everything, we're not, but you're not supposed to do it, but whatever. It worked for me, I swear to God. Um, behind the prayer, while I was praying it, I was thinking to myself um, on the part that stands in the way between you and my fellows that nervousness, that anxiety that I was feeling, I was, I was praying for that to be removed, for God to take that from me. Mm-hmm. And I was praying hard. And I meant, I was like, please take it, you know, because that's what was standing in the way. And by saying uh, we're not supposed to, it's like we're not supposed to pick, is that what you're right, saying? But, right, But yeah. the fact so you, of the matter was, it. you handed this to your higher power and said, take it. Yeah, yeah. And you say it worked. The individual character defect, yes. Yeah, you know, so I'm and, on board with that. See, I, I actually do. I subscribe to a little bit different thing to where I'm gonna get these things identified, and I'm gonna say, "Hey, now, well, if it takes where if it goes or not, I don't get to call that. Right, but I can right, sure as hell yeah. set something on the table and say, take this from me because I don't like it. And it's not working for me, and I'll still do it today. Me I too, get in man. The habit of I it. think it's and, the power of it. Well, it's well, I'll get to it work for me, but it did, and so like so that kind of puts me in a bad habit of doing that, and I, I oh. and I try to catch myself and and and. You know, I'm like back and forth with it, but I try to just say, take whatever you want to take, and that'd be that, you know, but anyway. Because I think uh, that's what happens when we do 10-step and stuff, when we say, you know, something is bothering us, and we say, God, take this, remove this from me. Well, it's picking yeah, up. I'm it saying, is. hey, now you're right. this now. hair is laying here on me, and I need it gone, because this is not, you know, serving me right now. Yeah. This is not helping me be useful to you or my it's fellows. It's true. I never looked at that, that. Because that's another thing I'm about to talk about, because that was a game changer, too. So, yeah, you're right. So that it's hard. It's kind of like, I don't know, you know, and that yeah, we just find our way, man. We do it this yeah, together, you know, yeah. and if, if I don't have people to bounce us, that's one of the beauties of this podcast, man, because I'm soaking up so much juice off of you, man. You're like, you lit up when you hit a point when you start talking about coming alive, man. And I felt this energy, just your energy just shifted. 
filled this room with 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 juice. That's what right. we call. That's only. I don't know what word. And you're you know, and I feel it coming out of you, man. And, and I learn from that. I draw from that. This that that thing that you're saying about not wanting to shake the hand. I, I made an analogy in my head. You know, like when you're playing poker and you're anteing up, right? Well, you know, in this game of recovery, I have to ante up. You know, and it's not fair if you're anting up 10 and I only put five out there, right? We don't play that. Me and you both got to ante up together. And then, then we have our chips in the middle of the table and we can offer ourselves to one another. And I know that's hard, right? That's that shaking the hand. That's that having that good dialogue and the conversation with the guy standing there. And maybe I'm going to say something. He's going to think I'm stupid or, yeah. you know, all that self-talk bullshit that we sit here and think we're not able to do. And once I was able to put that down and actually be real and be Dan, you know, here I am. Yeah, right. Like me or not. Right. Uh, And when I started to be able to actually do that, well, hell, I found out people did like me, you know? And then I found out, hell, I like you too. (laughs) It's still a hard one. It is hard though. Yeah. I mean, I'm better, a lot better. But yeah, that's a a good point. So I I kind of derailed you on this because you just get ready to talk about 10, I think. Oh, well, I'm getting there. But no, this, yeah, yeah. Um, Go where you need to. Uh, we were at that seven yeah, step the, and not. So, um, so I, so I had to go, go. I'm going back to AA, right? Um, so um, after I prayed that, I went back to the rooms, uh, and I didn't notice it for a couple days later. But I'm, I mean, and I, my mindset at this time is, okay, I'm like, I'm going hard at this. I mean, I came back like after I prayed that prayer, and I already had the mindset, you're going back and you're going to do this thing because you almost had it last time. You know what I mean? You're going to stay sober, and that's the attitude I had. So, but. But um, I went back to the meetings and I'm st- I'm shaking people's hands and and um, that I'm sticking around for that conversation and um, instead of trying to get out of it after the pleasantries like hey I'm Matt and then they tell me their name I'm trying to find a way out I'm sticking around and asking the hard questions and talking and listening and actually listening which is some shit right to listen and actually be interested in what the guy's saying to me or person saying and i'm doing all this and, and i do it with every freaking body i'm shaking hands with and going and I'm, I'm going up to people instead of dodging them you know what i mean and and i do this and it's like two three days later and i was like i was sitting at my couch at the house and i was like holy fucking shit <laughs> You pray for that shit and it fucking is gone and i didn't notice it was gone i was just hyped about going back and it was gone the feeling was fucking gone, yeah, and uh, I was I was really like. Now I had formed my concept and I had started believing in God up until that point, but at this fucking point, there's that's the difference. I like he came down and grabbed some shit out of me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that was a different deal. You know, it was one thing to fucking see some you know see some stuff and hear some stuff and and feel some stuff here and there, but to be different that that well, it's talked about that change, that spiritual experience, right? Yeah, yeah. We and, and we, we were having spiritual ideas and we began to have a spiritual experience or something. That's paraphrase. It's not exactly right. But. Well, the whole thing has changed. It says change about 15 times in the damn right, thing. Yeah. So that change happened, but it was abrupt. You know what I mean? And it happened uh, like that. And it was like, wow. You know what I mean? And whenever I realized that it happened, it was a, it was a, it was a beautiful thing. But I was like, wow. I was really, you know, thralled by it. And um, so, but... But anyway, I just, you know, ran with it after that, man. It was like, there was, there was this, the, um, let go absolutely, if you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, put our ideas to the side. As they say, I talk about, I liked, uh, that game, right? Well, I was all fucking in, you know yeah. what I mean? 
I put all the damn chips down. I was going to three, five, three to five, and this is not, I'm not fucking exaggerating, um, three to five meetings a day for a year, dude. I mean, I, I had to turn these sheets in. I had to go back. I had to start over for a year in that drug court program. I did that and finished that and shit, but uh, the, I'd have sheets, like stacks of them, because I had to get them signed and shit. And, um, but I was going to three to five meetings a day, just doing it and loving it. Not even, I was one, I wanted to be at the fucking meetings. It wasn't like, uh, it was a, uh, a can be inconvenience here and there. I got to go to a meeting. I was oh, where's the next meeting? I'm going to that motherfucker. You know what I mean? That was the attitude. You know what I mean? And I wanted to go and I went to as many as I could. And that was my life. And I liked it. I loved it. You know what I mean? Um, and I couldn't get enough of it, dude. So, um, I mean, that's kind of. You know, where, it, you know, you know, since then, you know, stuff's happened and, you know, there's been, I've been through some shit and, uh, but that's, you know, where sobriety started happening. You know what I mean? And I went back through the steps. Oh, well, I mean, there's more to the story. Um, but I went through the steps again, gotten in a step, I got a new home, another home group. I'd already had one for a long time. Um, but, um, I got in my, excuse me, got in my sponsor's back pocket. It started going to every one of the meetings that he would go to, you know what I mean? Um, and then some, of course, like I was saying, three to five a day. But but along that, one of them was a men's meeting that I made. My I added my home group, uh, one of my home groups, and um, I got into the step study with these guys. And, um, you know, I'd been to the steps two times right before that, right? But 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 this time I was waiting for that 12th step, you know what I mean? Because I knew that was one of the other one, you know what I mean? The, and, and, um, and so... Uh, that happened. It was, you know, it took about four months to work the steps again, but I was ready for that son of a bitch. I was like, all right, let bet. I'm going to go to a meeting. I'm going to get me a goddamn sponsee. You know what I mean? Because uh, I'm staying sober. You know, that was the deal. That was the attitude. And uh, I got four months sober, dude. I went and got my first sponsee. Got yeah. four of them. Bam, bam, bam. Started working with them. Have not not had a sponsee since. Um, really? Yeah. Um, I, even through the pandemic, I've, I was lucky enough to have uh, two going into it. One dropped off. I still, and I worked through the steps with, uh, and still have the uh, the other one. I still only got have they come and go. You yeah, know what I mean. But uh, I picked up four here recently, and boom, you know, they've come and gone. But yep, it's what, what it is. They do. You know, right. that, that, that thing, that story in there where uh, Lois tells Bill, you know, he's not having any success. You know, and she says, "Hey, it doesn't make any difference. You yeah. know, you're staying sober. You know, and that is. And I tell you know, I beat that drum left and right with people in. in There's absolutely nothing that fills my heart up more than to walk this path and watch a dude and have this play this little part, be an instrument in the master's hand of offering this to another man and watching him accept it and take it and run with it and change his life and change the lives of those around him and become a better father and a better son and a better husband and a better employee and actually taking some responsibility for his own life and doing that. And then, and then... Then start sponsoring and hand it to another guy. Yeah. Man, I mean, I'm getting chills right now. You know, doing that fifth step last night with this pair of us, you know, me and my new guy and my sponsee who's coming up on two years in October. Two years, that's all he's got. Uh, and it's a lot. I'm not an all, but, you mm-hmm. know, here he is bringing his new guy down there. And I'm, as I'm sitting here, I get a text from him. And just, just because... And I know he won't mind. Thanks again for hosting Jason and I on the fifth step, dude. It couldn't have worked any better. Like God just said it in our laps. Thank you for allowing that to happen. 
I know Jason was just gushing this morning, man. The whole thing just floored him. Doing his prayer up by the pond under the stars was monumental to him. His seven-step prayer. We do five, six, and seven in one bite. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I keep those that, people, yeah. hold them hostage down there, you know, right. overnight. And then we'll, there's some dynamics around that because then, then they get to bask in that. You know, they don't have to go back home to bullshit or go back. You know, they get a cushion down there in this awesome space of mine that I get, that we created this sacred the sacred umbrella around it that's protected. No bullshit can get us. He, so he, this guy goes up by this pond, does his seven-step prayer. I love you, man. He, well, he says, you're an awesome sponsor. I'll touch base with you. He's gone. He's going to do his next thing. You know, so he has that, you know, and, when, when, and another man is healing. And when I wake up, that's another cool thing about doing that five, six, and seven thing because I've said this before too, man. I go, the guy I wake up with on in the next morning, is a different man than the one that was there last night. There's a shift in them. They shift overnight by unloading their baggage, getting honest with somebody, uh, knowing that it's okay that they got all this stuff, that and, and, and releasing it, and then going out there and, and turning it over to their higher power. We walk off with that fifth step with a list of character defects with these things that they go out something tangible. And uh, and and ask higher power to take that away, you know. And it ain't all gone right now, but there's a big, huge piece of relief, and I can feel it in them. Yeah, I, mean, I want to start like taking before and after pictures. But look, <laughs> dude, this was yesterday. This is you today. Yeah. And man, it just it fills me having that spot playing this role of giving it away, whether if it works or not, whether if they take it or not, doesn't matter. But when they do and they accept it. And they walk with it and then start giving it away to somebody else. Golly, man. Yeah, it's gold. Yeah, I haven't got there yet. I won't, you know, You'll have it. It sounds like, you know. Um, I did a lot of sponsees, like I said, but uh, I haven't got to that part yet. But I, I heard about it and that light coming on. And uh, I got one, like I said, but um, I've gone through the steps a couple times. I haven't I haven't got to experience that yet, though. But, uh, you know, if I keep doing what I'm doing, you know. It's like angels singing, man. It's like, wah, you know. I mean, and you just I feel like that deal. same thing. Like, it's, it's surreal. Like you were, you were, you were talking about that earlier in the conversation about having these coincidences happening, mm-hmm. and and you're not really fully accepting them, you know. But then all of a sudden you go, hmm. Or when the seventh step thing, you go, huh, that actually did. I asked God to take this away, and He did, you know. And it's like you know, there's like a symbol or something, you know, and ding, and and it's another step in this awakening and, and becoming closer and closer. Because don't you feel like you're like more comfortable in your own skin than ever. Yes, you yes. know, and I'm okay being me. Matter of fact, I have a guy that handed me a term a while back. You know, today I I am the perfect me. I'm not perfect, no, but I am the perfect me, and I'm getting closer and 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 more more getting closer to who Dan really is, and and being okay with that too. You know, showing being okay with showing you who I am, being authentic and standing in my integrity, and, and I cuss and I say shit that's off color, and I you know. And I step in some shit once in a while and have to make some amends. And bad stuff happens once in a while that I run into or whatever, you know, that in life, that's just life. I got some tools to walk through it today, you know, in a healthy manner. I don't have to drink over it. I don't have to go do hurt people because I got hurt. Yeah, man, there's a lot lot in there. But, uh, yeah, the the whole um, striving for the perfection that I'm not going to hit, being okay totally okay not even okay just wanting to make the amends that i knew I, if i'd known something wrong just no you know not even have like wanting to do it like striving to do get that better you know what i mean or be better 
instead of whatever the hell I was doing before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. Yep. Because it's like you said, you know, to me, I, I use the term trajectory. I'm on a trajectory towards that target. You know, nah, no one ever hit it. You know, uh, there's a line to another guy. I have a mind that, that traps sayings pretty well, you know, and there's a guy, Jordan Peterson, is a speaker and an author, and he says, uh, I don't know what it happens when he said, uh, I don't know what happens when one finds themselves completely into alignment. And he's talking about things of the stories of Jesus and Buddha and these people who have achieved this historical perfection spot, you know, and, and, you know, but, but I'm striving in that trajectory today. You know, I'm I'm on a course and not that, you know, and and I don't want to make it sound like I'm holier than thou or I'm any better than you. But it feels good for me and my soul because I believe when it says spiritually sick is my spirit, my true spirit, the soul that is Dan, the the fingerprint that makes Matt Matt and makes Dan Dan uh, was sickened. It got sick. It got sick by me pouring stuff into it. It got sick by my experiences through life, my different things I did. And, And now I'm healing it. And I'm on that healing trajectory of getting better and i don't ever want to end either you know that's everything you said it says change in there a whole bunch of times mm-hmm. it also says another c word continue oh continue yeah that's continue. Oh, yeah yeah um and it says as we go along now and that brings me to the uh <laughs> well we'll get, no, get go ahead to that uh, jump in brother um yeah the uh that was a big a big um that, that as we go along the continue and as we go along part um, that was another thing that I was not doing, um, that I didn't talk about before, uh, that I added to, uh, because I was reading those pages every freaking day. Like I talked about, I was suggested to read those pages. So I did it, you know, every day. And, and then I prayed and, uh, no, I prayed and then read the pages. That's my, that was my routine, which is routine is big for me today. But, um, anyway, um, I would read the pages, but I wouldn't do what the fuck they told me to do. I would shut the book and then go do my day and not think about anything that they told me to do. Um, and that was a difference maker when I started taking action on those things. And, and it talks about uh, we continue to take personal inventory as we go along and uh, correct any mistakes uh, throughout the day and um, watch, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And, and, um, and then talk to another alcoholic, uh, make amends if necessary, and uh, um, ask for it to be removed and then do those things, which is the go-to. And, and that, that well, you talked about that earlier. Um, um, to pick we, when we pick and choose and see um, it's all throughout that 11th step uh, you know it talks about um, we, excitement fear anger worry self-pity and foolish decisions and uh, we ask for God's will and stuff and and you know and we're better uh, whenever those things happen but but what I found uh, with that 10th step adding that 10th step in there and watching for that um, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. But also when I look for anything, basically, that's not peace of fucking mind. If it's, uh, you know, excitement, fear, anger, worry, foolish decisions, any of those things. I, I started to, because um, self-pity hit me again after I'd gotten sober again. And, and it was it's a, a recurring thing with me. Uh, and so, um, and it would get bad, you know, and it get to the point where and it wasn't even about like drinking. It was just like, goddamn, you know, it, it over, it would over me and um and it fucking like an epiphany happened like why don't you it, the fucking book hit me it was like i was in a store I was in 
And why don't you ask for the fucking to be removed? You know what I mean? I do my due diligence in the morning and do my little prayers and my prayer at night. What about through the fucking day when the fucking meat and potatoes are happening? When you're out in the world, you know? And uh, so I started doing it. And and, um, I would ask for that shit to be removed when it happened. And, um, And so I started to build that conscious contact throughout that day. And I started, you know, having that throughout my day, thinking about God, just thinking about God. Uh, you know, can get me through, you know what I mean? But I, I start to I have that communication going uh, throughout the day and then building that conscious contact, and uh, that was a game changer as well. I started doing that, and those things, something would happen. I, I would pray, and then and I would go about my self-pity or whatever the hell I was feeling, and, and, and go about my day, and then something would happen, and it would divert my attention, and I'd forget all about the fucking self-pity, and, and, and you know, shit would start coming and going, you know what I mean? Waves of life. Life's happening. You know what I mean? But I'm going through it. You know what I mean? And the self-pity is coming and going and the bad decisions are happening and the excitement's happening and, and, and all that shit's going on, you know, but it's coming and going. You know what I mean? I, and um, and I'm finding that even keel here and there throughout that, you know. Um, but that conscious contact, is, is, I believe, is getting me through it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I believe it wholeheartedly because I started to do it and it was changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, what I mean is, is this thing, I did this shit trial and error style, not suggesting it to any motherfucker, okay? I think that, you know, you do it fearless and thorough <laughs> from the very start, you know what I mean, is what the book tells me to do, but that's not what I did, okay? Yeah. I'm stupid, and I'm an alcoholic that has to fucking figure it out um, by his own mistakes, and that's what happened. And, figure out uh, all the ways that don't work. Tried to <laughs> find the loopholes, you know what I mean? I don't want to do as much as everybody's doing. I want to do, you know, a little bit. And, you know, it was along the way, you know, I, I learned the hard way, but it was very good for this alcoholic to learn that way because I learned, you know, that, the, that I got to do the shit and I learned hardcore. I got to do it. So I do it hardcore. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not saying I'm fucking I get Mr. You. I understand, AA, you know man. what I'm saying? But you participate I, in your recovery and you put some energy into it and you take it seriously and it means something to you and there's value in it. Fucking I, and, and the action, you know what I mean? There's the biggest, I don't know what the biggest word in that some bitch is, but for me. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. You know, this is like, number one. Right, and right. One, oh, and shit, there's that one too. One. Yeah. So, but uh, action's pretty damn important. It's pretty high yeah. up on the goddamn list. You know what I mean? If I don't do any of the stuff, it's not going to work. You know what yeah. I mean? So I yeah. got to take the action. And so. And I can't do it all either, you know, and I think that falls under the terms and, you know, just how magic this work is. And I, well, it's key. I'll follow that thought. Of this practicing these principles. Practice. Fucking am. Because I'm not, perfect. you know, I got to keep on practicing them. And then when I'm not, I got to pull myself and redirect and, and, and realign yeah. my course and go, okay, yeah. do some course correction. Whoops. Let's well, get back over here. We've swung over into the off the lane a little bit. Let's get back over in the lane and yeah. uh, get myself corrected. And that was really hard for a while. And it comes easier. And sometimes I go further off the road. And sometimes I catch myself when I hit the stripe. And yeah. Well, that's what I, exactly what I thought whenever you started about talking about that trajectory, because it, it's you know that trajectory starts and then it goes here and there and all it over. Does. But I get back on but track. The general but, course of my thing yeah, is yeah. it's like right. a, I've heard a bunch of other analogies. You know, when you sail, you cannot sail a boat or drive a boat in a, a straight line. Yeah. You know, you're 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 weaving. The wind blows you this way a little bit, and you get back on course, and you continually making course corrections. But your trajectory right, right. is Stays towards your goal. Yeah. yeah, and I've got off course, fucking you know. And, and I had been, you know what I mean, before this, I think. You know, this pandemic has been up and yeah, down from no me. No doubt, man. Um, and I was, uh, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it was going good for a good while, man, during a real lockdown and shit. And then, you know, this political, all this other stuff can, you know, and I'm not going to get into it. I'm yeah. just saying that. Because it says also, we don't carry the world's troubles on our shoulders. Yeah, boy, <laughs> but man, I let them pop. And I just, and I, I, try, I stayed out, try to stay out. And then I, I, I was the one that messed up and jumped on in that motherfucker. I should have stayed my ass out of it. Yeah. So I, you know, I learned those lessons too. And, and it gets me off, you know, off course, off that trajectory. And, uh. I got to get myself back on this. Helped me out a whole fucking bunch. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, I just came from a meeting, and meetings are good and everything, but they're a little bit different now. It's just not the same. Everything's all fucked yeah. up. You yeah, know it's what I mean? been. There's the spirit's been stepped on. You know, there's something that's. You know, we're all a little scared. We're all a little funny. Yeah. We're all. Yeah. There's you that. know, there's some things about uh, you know, the masks and the separation that creates. You know, because I like to see your smile. I like to see. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want. I think I actually I feel today that I to some extent read lips in a way. You know that I'm watching that and I'm picking up on that energy and I lose all that behind those covers, and it, it takes some connection away from me. It's kind of like a curtain between us or something. Anybody tell you it's a big damn difference? There's a total difference between that. You know, I mean, I, you know, I I am so grateful because them fucking Zoom meetings got me through. When mm-hmm. I would have, I don't know that I'd have made it without a meet without meetings. I'm yeah. a meeting maker. Yeah. Goddamn it! Now I'm not saying meeting I maker. I didn't want make to it. do that. I'm just you saying, know, yeah, I, I didn't want to. I, yeah, but what are you going to do? I want to fucking stay sober. Out for four days. about doing things I didn't want to do. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to be drinking. That's for damn sure. Because uh, four days in, I'm sitting there uh, resigned to the fact that, like, uh, you know, the gym closes, lockdown happened. Boom. I'm like, all right, um, Netflix. I'm, gonna, I'm sitting there, you know, doing nothing. And I just like, what else can I do? You know, this is it, you know. And. I, I've noticed it before when I've went a couple of days. I have not gone in this whole damn time. Like, there's no, like, days beyond two that I don't go to a meeting. Well, I've found out what two days was like, and that ain't good. Well, four days without sitting about fucking watching Netflix is not, you know, things were not going good for Matt. You know what I mean? And uh, then that first Zoom meeting, like, hey, there's this thing called Zoom, and they're having, I'm like, what? You know what I mean? And, well, uh, from there, things got good, and they stay. and I just, that was, I built up a routine, and it was, life was okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Again. And I uh, made it through that shit. And then, but this, it just keeps on going now. And it's like, you know, it's just that, that fear of the unknown and the damn, you know, yep. the whole thing, you know, about alcoholics, you know, or for this one anyway, is there's still some fear going on. A lot of sure. it, you know, yeah. so, but, um, something I wanted to, um, add into my story before we, for whatever happens, uh, um, it's, you had that, uh, had an 11th step in there and all that and then uh shit well it's gone but but the one thing i forgot about that little saying don't think um, about it for a minute and it'll come right right intuitively no um but uh the um when our options decrease our willingness increases like when you had to go to the damn uh uh the Owensboro Regional Recovery this is what you got to do. Okay, well, my willingness is high now. Okay, I want to do anything I want to, you know. Yeah. So my willingness increased, you know what I mean? So whenever you ain't got no options, hell yeah, I'll do it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. what else are you going to do? So yeah. yeah, my little story, and I've heard it. They said it a lot, and I, and I caught a little bit of something from somebody the other day about this podcast. Because I'm talking to somebody new, you know, and you haven't heard what I talk about, you know. and, and But the, some of these people have, and but I really don't give a shit. Fuck them. Uh, they're just going to hear it again. To me, I, my analogy was, because I work that way, was that, you know, when I had that, when I was in that pinch with the with the court system, was in all that legal trouble, and I like you, you know, I'm on probation. I'm not supposed to be drinking, but I can't stop. You know, I stopped breaking in houses, but I didn't stop, <laughs> stop drinking. And it was like being in a bo- black a cardboard box was painted black inside. That's the way I felt. I had no options anywhere. 
you know, but there was a little pinhole in the corner. And what that pinhole was, was these 12 steps. And, and, you know, I didn't think I could fit through that hole, but, uh, who the hell is that? My dad and somebody walking through the yard. I didn't think I could fit through that hole. I didn't think it would work for me, but that was the only thing I had. You know, that was, nobody was offering me anything else. So that's where I went, you you know, and, uh, and my life changed forever when I, uh, when I, uh, really put this in, I think that's my brother and my dad, but I don't see him in a hat very often. He don't hardly ever wear one. He just celebrated one year of recovery. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we run around together. My, my brother, we did our thing all together. He's three, two and a half years younger than me. Uh And then I got sober. I stole pills from him. I hurt him. I did a bunch of stuff that this shouldn't have, you know, and, and, and damaged our relationship. And then I got sober. So when you got a sober brother, that ain't no fun, right? And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Stay away from that guy. And, and then uh, one day, uh, one day he called me up, or it was actually his, his wife called me up, told me that uh, they were quitting drinking. And uh, and then last month, or not now, it's another month of May. In May, him and his wife they share a sobriety date, and they just celebrated one year sobriety and. Uh, and it's cool stuff, man. It's, it's, it's that ripple thing I was saying, you know, and I don't take no credit for that personally, but you know, that's planted the seed, right? Yeah. Who, you know, I just walk my walk, you know, and, 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 attraction. and I could have made, uh, could have made recovery look like something that wasn't attractive. Right. I could have told him he should be getting sober. I could, you know, I could, I could, I could have done a lot of that, but I didn't. I had yeah. good coaches and good people around me to help me to say on my side of the street and, and, and uh, the universe took another shift in my life because now I got a sober brother and we can begin to repair his stuff and, and, and get back on board. You know, I'm making little wooden symbols for people. Have you ever seen like this thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I make these wooden numbers. Like that. So I make these ones for people with a chip or a card or whatever. And I have this shop and it just hit me and started doing it. So I make a 23, 40 or I make a 7, you know, and, and I just make them. You know, and it's part of me, part of the way I participate in my recovery again, man. When you hit a hit a milestone, I keep a few ones around because I always they're handy. Right. Uh, and, uh, and and I do that, you know. So just the other day, I finally got around. I forgot there's a tree that we played in in my front yard, right out here in this front yard. It was a dogwood tree, and uh, and we climbed it and all that, and it died a few years ago. And I've cut it down and I've made a few things of it, but I've saved some of it. And uh, and I made two number ones, matching number ones for, for them out of that tree that him and I used to play in and swing in and stuff of that dogwood tree in the front yard here at Hedden Park. Uh, just ways I get to do things, man. And I, I don't know, I, I like making them. They're fun. People, people appreciate them. Yeah, yeah. A little better than a Hallmark card. Go along with their token. Uh, what's, what's the... Uh... What's that big symbol in the middle? Yeah. That's an ohm symbol. Okay, that's why I thought it had something to do with Yeah, uh, so like a yoga and the meditation and that, that stereotypical in your ohm. Mm-hmm. There's a whole big meaning behind the ohm and, uh, and, and some spiritual significance. Because today I draw from a lot of spiritual teachings. You know, I don't have to be closed-minded. I don't have to pick one. I get to make my own conception. My own conception is sweeping in as much of that as possibly I can that feeds my spirit. And some of that uh, Eastern stuff, uh, the more I read about it, the more I see how all of it's aligned, you know, like the 12 steps are in alignment with Christian principles. The, the Christian principles are in line with Hindu principles. Uh, you know, so you just start looking at it and they're not exactly the same, but I will kind of like, uh, you know, how could they be? They were discussed on opposite ends of the world before we were ever 
in contact with one another through boats and but they all have that how could how could noted Native Americans in this on this continent however many thousand years ago be carving symbology into cave walls and rocks and and doing that and and talking about uh, uh, grandfather spirit and and mother earth and having this connection to their environment that they didn't really understand but they subscribe to meanwhile people are on the opposite end of the world in the, in the Indian regions and all that doing the exact same thing thousands of years ago going with similar kind of symbology similar kind of thought pattern if there wasn't something real in this universe working I don't either we both the human nature strives to want that or there really is something and I really don't care which one the answer is. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter to me. Yeah, I think that uh, that kind of um, goes to uh, the uh, fundamental idea of deep, deep down, down everyone, it does. man, woman, child. Yep, and that's you know idea. again you know we circle back you know and all if I can look at that you know is that I heard you say something earlier on is like you know we we're walking around here looking for the differences. You know we go to these meetings and looking for the differences. We're looking for the out. You're debating with the guy, looking for the yeah. the out. I'm looking yeah. for the loophole. I'm looking for the way I don't have to do this, you know. And recovery opened my mind up where I can actually be inclusive to these ideas rather than exclusive and, and allow them in. Those ohm symbols are something that, uh, it's one of the first things, I've made hundreds of them, maybe thousands, uh, maybe a thousand, not probably not more than that, but I make them and sell them and give them away. And uh, that's one of my very favorite ones. I made it on New Year's Eve. I sit out here, you know, on, on New Year's Eve when you, we used to do Talk what we used to do. different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I sit in here and I'm on a little chat group with some guys and we have some jet chat groups on the phone, you know, that where we're keeping contact with one another. And I, yeah. I had a, somebody bumped into it. I thought that'd be a cool idea. And I started these chat groups and now all my brothers and fellows are in those before Zoom ever hit. So we had this 24-7 connection, not video, but chat, private chat group, not a group text either. It's a, more like a app. It is an app. And uh, I'm sitting here apping away with these dudes and chatting and making an ohm symbol on New Year's Eve rather than uh, the other things I used to do. And it's dated on the bottom, too, that if I did that. Zebra wood. Yeah, on the subject matter, I, uh, I've been toying with the idea. I need to uh, grow my conception uh, a little bit. I've been, uh, I've, I, that open-mindedness, I guess, has stopped a little bit, probably, I think, because uh, I like where I'm at. I like what I got, you know what I mean? So I want to, you know, I get into complacency with it, and yeah. so... And that's you know I don't I need to uh, need to take a look at that probably because uh, um, you know I've I've been thinking about it for a while you know I mean wanting to do something but see I'm scared and uh, that fear you know yeah. can consume you like uh, because being agnostic and I didn't even know there was a word for it but I was all my life I was agnostic and so um, with that um, and all those questions that I used to ask and all that stuff to win the arguments and things. Um, um, I don't like to dip and dab into it because it's it may it it might lessen my my conception or what have you. So so then I think you know if I, I'm want, I'm thinking about I've thought about wanting to grow and, and looking into different uh, denominations or non-denominational really or doing something you know more with my spirituality and growing in that area and, and maybe into to some religion you know which is crazy that I'm even thinking about that but I mean I've been wanting to do something and. Uh, and I, but I'm stopping. I stop myself because I don't want to mess up what I got, and I don't want to hear a question or a. You know, it talks about in the big book on that we agnostics talk about. Um, there's these little articles of faith that we can't. Get, I'm paraphrasing, but can't get with or, or uh, that stop us from uh, 
believing in something. You know what I mean? All through my life, those little articles of faith I would argue about, it would stop me from getting into a religion or believing in something. Um, and uh, diverting our, the, uh, the uh, uh, beauty of the forest for some of its trees, basically. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And um, so with that, uh, it's coming back on me, and i got to just push past that shit and, 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 and go forward. But uh, I've been toying with it. And I got a home group at 11 o'clock on freaking Sunday because I made AA my church when I got here. So, you know, it, it, not church, but you know what I'm I saying? I get it, man. It that's, where like, I, that's where I drive my spiritual food. Uh, this is going to be my spiritual, this is going to be my, you know, spirituality. So let's put it on Sunday where I'm off. I'm off on Sundays, and I put it right in the middle, you know, where I would maybe be going to church. So it's kind of, there's that, it, I can use that as an excuse. I can get, I got two home groups. Yeah. But, but man, I do. I, I really do. My, my soul is fed through my recovery fellowship. That's where my soul is fed. That is my, I mean, that is, I mean, that's, I don't know that anybody can, because we have a Western idea of what church is to us, right? You know, who invented that shit, right? You know, why can't why my, why can't my home place. group on Sunday yeah, be, yeah. you know, it's, it's a group of people meeting that's in a building, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what church is? Group of people meeting in a building. Uh, but when the, that you were talking about wanting to learn more and trying to, yeah, I, I get that because that's, I mean, I'm, that's crazy too. That I'm even like wanting to earn, yearning to for more information or learning. You know what I mean? And, and that's goes it comes to it goes back to that too. You know what I mean? We're yearning for a little bit for, for some more. You know what I mean? And yeah, uh, right, more. So. You said earlier. You said that, you you said a keyword too, a little phrase that I use all the time is add to. You said that you need to add to, and I don't even know what in regards it was to, but I have to continue to add to my. Uh, to my spirituality, to my recovery, I got to continue to find things to add to, add to my recovery that improves the quality of my life in recovery. You know, because if I stagnate and get complacent, and I've done that, and I've watched other people do that, and I see that, and I go, yeah, uh, I saw you do that, and I think I will remember not to do that. Uh, and like what you said, you self-reflected about the things where you were and weren't doing. You know. My sponsor encourages me to grow in these places and look and search out these other places where I can be fed, where my soul can be fed, and and, I do, and, and it's come natural, and God's put a bunch of people in my life to help me do that, uh, because I don't think um, my conception of higher power doesn't care which one of those is. He's, he, he subscribes to that continue, continue to improve the conscious contact, whatever that means. It doesn't have to mean the big dude with the gray beard and the staff sitting in the throne. <laughs> you know, it, it just means continue to grow my soul and continue to look for ways that I can, uh, uh, you know, these things help me be more useful to my fellows and my higher power. And, you know, I went to yoga teacher training. I'm a yoga teacher now. Yeah. That's one way I did it. That's one way I improved my conscious contact with my higher power because it introduced a lot of, um, spiritual teachings that I was not that were not available to me. Otherwise, uh, I've done the Mankind Project. Have you heard of that? What's that? Mankind Project. Huh. It's a men's work thing, much like AA without the stopping drinking. <laughs> Although there's a lot of guys in recovery doing it, but it has uh, got a real big, heavy base on North American Indian spirituality and tradition, and I really resonate with that. I really resonate with that philosophy. And I don't have to be restrictive. This ain't a, to me, this ain't a pick one. I can pick all. I get to scoop in That's a little from here and a little from there, you know, yeah. and, and it keeps on feeding me and it puts my, it fills my tool belt on ways that I can uh, do, uh, participate in my, in my life and, and improve, you know, and, and cultivate my own spirit with, through those things. 
So that's how that come in. That's how the Ohm symbol to some extent come into my life heavily. Why it means so much to me is because of that training. Because of that. Yeah, it should take some action like that. Man, yeah. Mankind's a men's work thing. It's all men. It's all men helping other men become better men. Well, the whole thing, looking for those other things that you were talking about, any, you know, like any other spiritual stuff that I can, you know, grow like that. Uh, but something you said, that yoga thing, that's uh, that's cool. Um, the uh, I, I kind of talked about it um, whenever I was in that, that vicious cycle for that last three years, you know. Uh, and I talked about, I think I mentioned the white picket fence once. Well, you know, my vision of what was going to happen, because I'm all or nothing, so it was either quit, we're going to quit every day. It was like, okay, tomorrow we're quitting, you know what I mean? We're going to quit drinking, and uh, I'm going to get that white picket fence, and I'm going to, and one of the things that I always told myself, because when I was 25 and when I crossed that line that I talked about, I started getting back into, getting into working out, and, um, you know, I was just on, on a bench on my porch working out, but I'd gotten some results, and I liked it, and, um, but I stopped because, you know, because of drinking. Well, my whole time when that vicious cycle, my th- the white picket fence, part of the white picket fence and the quitting drinking, there was always the you're going to get back in the gym and you're going to get yourself in shape because I gained a bunch of weight from drinking. It made me eat a lot and it made me, you know, and that added to the insecurity and, and a lot of other stuff. So, yeah, so before and after picture. That you yeah. So, so uh, or, uh, before and current picture. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that before it was, um, I had been, um, I'd worked at right after I got out of the Beacon House. Because uh, I started, got, well, I finally got back to the gym because, you know, I was in and out of the program and hadn't got, you know, much real sobriety yet. But the the plan was to always get back in the gym. And that was always my plan, you know, to start doing it at some point. And uh, whenever I finally got it to, you know, getting the sobriety thing, I implemented it. I took some action, you know what I mean? And uh, and I stuck with it. And I would, you know... Um, I'm proud. I'm proud of myself. I mean, I fuck. I stuck with the you shit. Be, man. And uh, I did it every day. I, bu- I busted my ass for three and a half years, and uh, I've gotten the results from it. Now, the first two year and a half, it took a long time uh, to see the results, but I stuck with it, and um, I find you know I've gotten to that place. So I mean, it's really really motivated towards it. But uh, it was a big part of my thought process of uh, whenever you get sober, you're going to do this, and I've done it and stuck with it. And it's all because. Um, you know, for being able to do this is the only reason I've, I've been able to uh, to do that and achieve some kind of a um, goal with it. So yeah, and I think that's you know that's that's I think that falls right in line with this whole premise of what we're doing. It's continuing to improve ourselves to be a better version of you all the time. Yeah. You knew that wasn't you, that big guy with the big T-shirt on and hiding underneath of it, and right. that wasn't that wasn't Matt. Matt's got tank top on and, and walking around saying hey i'm proud of me yeah uh and, and you know that feels good you know and then you can you know it's just a snowball thing and in that book it says another thing because this come to mind as i'm doing this physical recovery because it's something else i if i think there was a step 13 and 14 personally if bill was alive today right now i think he would have nutrition and exercise in this program because if you feed yourself a little you know Feed yourself a little better. I'm not talking fanatic. I'm not talking vegan. I'm not talking, but just watch, you know, moderation. Be careful with all the crap you put in yourself because today when I eat like shit, I feel like shit. If I eat healthy, I feel good. Mind, body, body. spirit. Yeah. And AA and recovery does a lot for our mind and our spirit. Right. Not a damn right. thing for our right. body. Right. And so, and I think it's in the doctor's opinion. I think it is. I can't remember exactly, but it's in this statement. He confirms what we have suffered. What, what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe. 
that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control a drink just because we were maladjusted to life, or we were full flight from reality, or we were outright mental defectives. These things were uh, true to some extent. In fact, to a considerable extent with us, and this is where I like it, but we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. It is our belief that any picture which leaves out the physical factor is incomplete. You know, and I think you got to start, if you start taking care of your physical while you do this other work, you will heal faster. And you start, you know, I mean, because feeling good feels good, right? Yeah. Yeah. It makes a big difference. <laughs> and, and there's a snowball effect. Yeah. When, when yeah. you start feeling good, you go, hey, man, I'm going to do some more of that that feels good. That adds to the isms, too, the uh, the, the reverse effect of the uh, not feeling good. You know mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So, um, but something I want to add, since you brought it up, um, you still got some time here. Yeah. Um, you brought it back to the doctor's opinion, and um, I did leave this part out of my story, not on purpose, um, but um, some, uh, a game changer as well once I had, uh, um, came back after that last relapse and was all in and had that kind of an attitude. I, I did go through the brook. The, the, the drug court uh, did send me to the uh, the brook, and I came in contact with uh, one of your buddies, I think, um, of the spiritual underground there. And, Christopher? Uh, he, huh? Who? who? Chris. Say a person yes. named Chris. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. my sponsor. Right. I knew that. Um, okay. He, uh, so I was in his group. and um, What a blessing. I'd be remiss, yeah, I, uh, if I didn't mention this because it was a, a big uh, eye-opener and a big difference maker um, in my sobriety because I was not under the illusion or the uh, of the, the first half of the step. Uh, I was fine with that. I knew I was alcoholic. I knew I was powerless over alcohol. You'd asked me for years before I got here, and I would have told you for sure, yes, I'd mentioned it many times to people. Um, that I was alcoholic, but that second half was, uh, I was in denial on, uh, that my life was unmanageable. You know, you could help me out with the alcohol, everything else I got, don't worry about that, you know? And, uh, I was, I just did not, I, I was in denial and, um, he, um, uh, I'm trying to find the damn page, but I'm, uh, well, I'm not even, it's, it's in there, you know, it's in there because it's a big part of it. It's irritable, restless, and it says we are irritable, restless, and discontented until we can uh, yet again find ease and comfort of the first drink or whatever. And um, he broke that down for me, and it never been broke down in the way he broke it down. Because um, I had heard about in the meetings that I went to, you know, for all those meetings, I'd heard people talking about the thinking, their thinking's messed up, and they're irritable, restless, and discontented, and... And all that, and I was just like, yeah, you know, maybe you are, you know what I mean? I, I must suck to be like that. I don't know what that's like, <laughs> but not this guy, you know what I mean? And that was, I'd shut my mind to that, you know, and I, that wasn't me, you know. And um, and I go about my day, and I and anyway, so he says, he wrote it up on the board. He put, um, irritable, restless, and discontented, and he said, um, I don't know how he wrote it, but this is how he explained it. He said, um, he said, you're, you're thinking about the past or the future in a negative way. And I thought about that, and I was doing that shit all of the time. You know, projecting into the future or mm-hmm. thinking about something that had already happened in a, in, a, in a negative way. And I was doing it all the time. I'd be sitting at the couch, um, you know, just at the house, just doing that all the damn time. And whenever he broke it down like that, I said, holy shit, I do that shit all the damn time. That's what irritable rest. I had a. I didn't know that you know, and I don't know that that's the definition, but that's how he broke yeah, it down. Right. Yeah. And and this and is a that, way to get through to you. There's a thousand you. forms of unmanageability, and that's definitely a big one for this guy, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of alcoholics. Yeah. And I do it. Did it all the time, and I didn't point put a finger on it. I just 
didn't notice myself fucking doing it all the damn time for some reason, but nobody broke it down like that mm-hmm. for me. So when I when I had an open mind and was going back at it like this is, you know, all in on it, and he, he said that, I said, holy shit. I said, yep. And then I started to dig into that, excuse me, that unmanageability and looking at all the, and having that open mind and hearing about it and putting it, put my finger on it uh, as other people are talking about it, all that, you know, not just that, but all of it now. And, but that's what started it. And it was a chain, you know, chain effect. And, uh, and uh, from there I was able to see all of the unmanageability and realize how unmanageable my life was and who, and, and, and just come to find out basically that the unmanageability lied within me. I was the unmanageable freaking part. You know what I mean? The alcohol was a small freaking part of it. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I was the, the problem, you know? So yeah. once I became sold on the ideas contained in this book and, and that, um, you know, it was a you know, different drinking maker there. So, yeah. but he was a big instrumental part. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's got a way of putting this stuff and delivering it, and folks that land in his uh, in his uh, so to speak classroom, uh, they don't know the gift they've been handed because that's you know, that's what that was the man who gave me what I have today. He's the one that broke that stuff down and made me understand it where I had not been able to hear it before. I was sitting and I really do. I feel like I sat at the foot of a master being sponsored by him week by week by week as he delivered that kind of stuff to me and uh my big book it's inside you know leave this in here but uh, my big book it's inside it's got all my notes from that in it It is a valuable document to me uh you know we do this thing too now and i just we do this thing called tssr the 12-step spiritual recovery where we hand these principles to people who are not alcoholics Mm. They're just normal people because these tools work for those people too if we just change and twist some words. And when we've known that it works for all the other isms, the yeah. gambling and uh, obesity and uh, overeating and uh, whatever it is that it is, those tools, but nobody really has ever offered them just to anybody. Just to anybody yeah. normal old person. He was writing a book whenever yeah. I... Uh, right, and that book's out and we're doing that and that's another, you know. So the guy did a fist up last night, he's a TSSR guy. He's not an alcoholic. Mm. <clears throat> but I'll get to watch the exact same results of a guy oh, who's yeah. dealing with some stuff and, and, and we nail down on some powerlessness and some stuff and like where his powerlessness is because it's not alcohol. Right. Uh, and, you know, what we're able to focus in on, I try to work with the guy and his, his, this guy's uh, powerlessness is his anger and his rage. And he can't control that. And it's almost like alcohol. You know, and, and join the damn club. I mean, yeah, I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when you don't have all the rest of this hitting you, yeah. You know, you sit over there and wonder what, to, what am I, how do I, how do I write this ship? How do I change my trajectory? Because that's not the trajectory he wanted to be on. You know, and he wanted some change, and he found us. And through a course of events, uh, he landed with me. You know, and and I'm able to give it this, and you know, and here he is walking it out too. You know, I mean, how many normal people would you think would do this work? Yeah, I, mean, I thought about that. That's uh... I've sponsored. I've got. I've, this is the fourth TSSR fifth step I've done with people who are coming through wanting these tools and they do not have chemical dependency, no. chemical abuse issues, substance abuse issues. It's just too cool. And I get to, it's another pool of people I get to, you know, be of usefulness to. Yeah, I got to be beaten into stable reasonableness, crushed by self-imposed crisis. They're to, different. You know, yeah, they, I know it. And these people aren't. Yeah. You know, and it's a difference, it's you know, it's a little different that they're not, they don't have that. And it's hard to, uh, you know, that, 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 that sense of that, uh, what do they call it? Uh, the, the desperation that, Johnny, yeah. Yeah, that we feel that we need and we get to, we talk about a lot. Uh, I understand the concepts, but it's not a requirement. Uh, some people are coming that don't, and 
just different ways. Like I said, you know, I don't know what's happened. It's just uh, and what you're talking about that I that I get to sit here and do this. You know, I get to sit here and do this podcast, and and I have men's retreats down at that place. I get to take these guys to these twelve to these uh, fifth steps. Get to participate. You know, uh, when the Zoom thing come out, I said, "Well, fuck, I'm gonna run them." You know, I'm gonna participate because that'll anchor me down. I need that kind of accountability. Yeah. That I'll, I'll okay, I'll do it. And uh, Dad just happened to get rid of a TV, so I got forty inch TV in there. I put up that I have that I'd run the Zoom meeting on, so I can see everybody real good. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and continue to find ways that I can participate in my recovery to keep me going. Cause I know that sitting still is not, you know, I've tried that. I got to continue like you're talking. I really like that. You're saying I've got to, to me, that's a, that's, that's a nudge from above tapping you on the shoulder about, Hey Matt, why don't you look in some other spots and see if you can find something you like. Something to. Uh, I've been getting that nudge for a while. I ain't doing shit. That's the thing. I need to really take some action on it because I've been putting it off, you know, for yeah. a year and a half. So I think you'd be. Uh, I think you'd fit in well with our group, man. And then everybody's into that. Everybody's got. That's one of the things that about the spiritual underground is that everybody's got those spider webs out in the wind, reaching for these other things to continue doing, so that we continue to grow like that open invitation but you know that yeah. you got any closing well you I don't, go that? ahead I was getting ready to ask you if you had any closing thoughts or anything you wanted to but we don't we're at 2 hours and 18 minutes holy shit are you serious I'm dead serious it goes fast too don't it it's yeah. fun wow it's no big deal man people listen to the whole damn thing too man. ain't serious? that amazing ain't that amazing and people will send me feedback and I'll send it to you about <laughs> because you will have touched somebody today you will have touched somebody I listen to 2 hours I, they are a bigger. I'm telling you what. That's that's. I listen that, to three hour podcasts all the time. Dang. I do. Now I have a job where I work on my hands most of the time, and I want and it kind of helps me, so it blocks out the rest of the world, and I can sit and and, and do what I need to do. But uh, I listen to tremendous amounts of audio. I don't watch any TV. I don't do any of that. So I don't have any of that in my world. But yeah, people will listen to this entire thing, and 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 there are some troopers. I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> But you know, it's a, so let's just say that you're a dude who's struggling to get sober and they're mm-hmm. stumbling around and maybe they've had a couple of goes at it. Maybe they've got some 60 day and some 90 day chips, maybe a six month chip someplace along the line, but they can get there, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to sit and listen to what happened to you where you continue to try and you continue to do this mm-hmm. thing and you made it and you got over the hump and one day the cam turned over. And, and that gives them hope that that can happen for them too. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing here is providing that hope. And your story is unique, but like we say around the rooms, you know, keep on going to those meetings. You hear somebody tell your story and you yeah. find things. And like you said about the one gentleman, I think it was at the Pigeon Bruce, I think you said that you were hearing him. Yeah. You know, you were hearing that dude, right? Yeah, yeah. Who knows why, right? But that was your man, Yeah. you know? And we're all that man for somebody. Right, right. You never know. Well, so you got to be, you, you know. know and if you're not post, able to come yeah. in here and like be vulnerable and put your shit on the table and ante up, you know, to me, I'm spitting in the in the face of my higher power if I'm not willing to to ante up and and show people the gold that has been given to me by operating by what them principles have taught me. You know, I have a responsibility to beat this drum. Yeah, this shit is first and foremost. Everything else secondary. Yep. I mean, put recovery first, and everything else seems to work out. Yeah. 
Uh, were you going to say you want me to like some kind of final thing? I said, that? you mean if you got any final? What I what, and I stole this from once because I have a couple. I have two favorite podcasters. One of them is Joe Rogan. That's his sticker on here. Oh, you yeah. heard of him? You remember yeah, from the Fear like, Factor yeah. guy? He's yeah. got the number one podcast ever, man. People listen to he puts out three hour podcasts three times a week, and I never miss any of them. I listen really? to him top to front to back, and it's about all kinds of stuff. They're just in there talking. Okay. And another one is Steve Rinella, and he's a hunting dude. And probably most people would never heard of him, but he does a hunting podcast, and it lines up with my principles of respecting the wildlife and uh, operating on this plane that's in line with my 12-step life on how I want to operate there, too, because I don't just go out and kill shit, you know. <laughs> uh, and he does what he, at the end of his podcast, he asks his guests, you know, do you have a concluder? Mm-hmm. Any concluding thoughts, anything you want to talk about, any message you want to share out there or tell people uh, to kind of tie a bow around this? Um, yeah, uh, well, just some, uh, I just come out of the book here, some parts out of the book that, uh, like if I was newer or whatever, um, that, uh, really hit me hard thinking about it in that fashion, um, says, uh, we know what you're thinking. You're saying to yourself, I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that. Talking about do that being these steps, uh, in the first 162 pages before this page, it says, but you can you forget that you have just now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself. To duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. And that's crucial. I mean, you know, willingness, patience, and labor. Yeah, yeah man. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'm going to read a couple here. because I'm not, not being a chump here. Um, but uh, at the end of the, um, I think the doctor concludes it pretty good. Um on the um, doctor's opinion, he says, um, however, he did, talking about Bill, become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for a great many years. As I see him now and then, he is a fine specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through and through. through, and through. Perhaps he came to scoff. He may remain to pray. And um, and then um, there's a bunch more, but um, it's a golden book, man. There's so much, there's so much gold inside of there. Of little Bill, Bill could not have possibly have written that. Yeah, right. right. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, it helped. That's for yeah, sure. Right. Because uh, well, the last one that uh, man is so powerful to me um, is uh, God does not make too hard of terms to those who earnestly seek. Because that was a difference maker for me. I was willing to seek, and I don't know why, but I did it anyway. You know, I mean, I prayed, uh, which is what seek means. You know, I prayed whether I believed it or not, in anything or not. I just kept doing it, and then, and then that, those coincidences that happened. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. and then it turned into something. So it all started with that action and willingness to to seek. So. Great stuff, man. I've enjoyed myself immensely today, man. I this fills my cup. You know, I will be high off of coming off of this because I get my soul fed like this of this discussion this deep discussion and hearing your story and that success you know and uh, and, and and I want to doubt all the time but being in this fellowship continues to prove continues to provide proof to me that this stuff is real I don't doubt it but there's that little snake in the back of my head that wants to do that kind of thing man but as I stay here and I see and I hear these stories it continues to prove to me and it proves to the people out there that are still trying that this thing really is for real oh which brings me to my most powerful which I did not uh, uh, I hated hearing 
whenever I came into the program. Uh, but but it's in its simplicity, it's it's the best thing, the best suggestion, which is uh, keep coming back. Yeah. And I hated to hear it, but it's the one thing I did that worked. I'm a product of keep coming back. Yeah. So I always close up this thing with two things, and uh, and, 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 it, and it works for me. You said earlier you like routine. Me too. Uh, I, I take this out of a daily reader I get, and it says if you're not enjoying your own recovery, it's your own damn fault. And then I just want to thank everybody out there for allowing Matt and I to uh, participate in participate in our recoveries this afternoon in this manner. Thank you all for listening. Peace out. Yeah.